What's up, everybody? This is Wolverine, the FM Machine, Mr. GMSI himself, Brian Cage. It's time to turn it on, tune in, and join the madness. This is the Concrete Rose Sunny Kiss. Hello, this is Ricochet. This is the ace that runs the place, Ace Andrews. This is This is Joey Janela. This is Larry Legend, and you are listening to the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. We are here for another episode of the General Admission Wrestling Podcast with me, your co-host, Avenging Ben, and my partner, the Master of Ceremonies. And joining us as always, it's the third man himself. It is the Law of Professional Wrestling. The Law Ramundo, your first ever dual JWP champion. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have. Don't forget about that. Don't Don't forget about that important fact. How could we? And of course, guys, we're not gonna. We're just gonna get straight right into it. We have a lot of wrestling news tonight, some WWE updates. But before any of that, guys, we have a special guest with us today. He is a creative force behind Bree Combination Wrestling. He's a bit of a jerk, but goddammit, he's got a heart of gold. He is, as he calls it, the voice of a generation. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Peter Rosado. How you doing, you jerk? I'm doing good, and I'm on the phone with the three biggest jerks I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see I, I, I really do. I honestly want to say, uh, before this gets lost in tape, uh, and, and before this, this goes down the rabbit hole, as I'm sure it's going to go. Um, you know, this is, it, it's a great pleasure to be on with you three guys. Uh, I know you three guys personally, uh, and I've known you guys for a while now. And you guys, you, know, you put together a great product. You guys are very dedicated fans uh, of the wrestling business. Um, and one thing that we never lose is we never lose our fandom. Um, so it is a pleasure to be on the GAWP and it is a long time coming, that much I can say. Most definitely, sir. Most Aww. definitely. So, so obviously we're breaking... He doesn't floor. like me, though. He's lying. He doesn't like <laughs> no, I hate, I hate Ray Raymundo. That's an accident. He's a liar. Spoiler alert. Uh, I hate Ray Raymundo about as much as Jinder Mahal hates anything fattening. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Your former... Love you too, Pete. This is why I like AJ more. What a bump, what a bump. Jesus Christ, uh, we're already off to a grand start tonight. So yes, we joining us tonight is one of the creative forces behind Bree Combination Wrestling. So Pete, give us a little insight. How did you get into how did you get into creating BCW, and how did you get into the business in general? Um, you know, I think I, I think Will Osprey said it best. I, I, I was uh, chit chatting with Will Osprey a couple of years ago at a it was about a year ago at a Ring of Honor show, and he said. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that we're just wrestling fans who were lucky enough to make it behind the curtain. Um, you know, you guys know very well for many, many years, I was one of those guys that was in a lot of crowds for independent shows and indie wrestling around New York City. Um, what many people didn't know was I was using that time to study. Um, I mean, a couple of years back, 
uh, I think everybody has this dream, right? Like we all want to be in the ring, right? We all want to be wrestlers. We all have somebody in the wrestling business that makes us say, I want to become a wrestler, right? Um, and everybody thinks they're Billy Badass in the ring, right? Yeah. Uh, until we meet Billy Badass. And for me, Billy Badass was not only the ring, uh, but also just my life in general. I mean, between uh, my regular job and, and school at the time, trying to go to graduate school and college, it, it just wasn't in the cards for me to give the amount of time and respect to training for professional wrestling as I knew it deserved. Um, so I decided to take my talents elsewhere. Uh, and instead of going to South Beach, because I didn't have money for a plane ticket, um, I decided to get into commentary. I'd been on the radio for many, many years in college and in high school, uh, things like that. I'd always considered myself a pretty creative person. But I started going to a plethora of indie shows to really kind of learn how to do it, right? Uh, learning from the bottom up, really, you know, trying to pull myself up with the bootstraps. Um, I was lucky enough to get recognized by a couple of people. And uh, my commentary partner at BCW, AJ Pan, is actually the man who gave me my first shot in the uh, independent professional wrestling world as a uh, in interview person at uh, FWE Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, I remember my first job, I was nervous. My first job was to uh, interview Ted DiBiase Jr. in his first indie show after leaving the WWE. Oh. And uh, I can tell you right now, I was probably the n most nervous I ever was in an interview. Uh, probably the worst interview I've ever done, but it was pretty good for them, and uh, they wanted me back. And eventually, after FWE folded, uh, AJ kind of uh, put my name in a couple of promoters' ears, got a couple of ring, uh, ring announcing jobs and commentary jobs, and it kind of led to just me kind of bouncing around. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's not a school for commentary or a school for ring announcing or managing or creative and things like that. So you kind of just got to learn as you go. Uh, and lucky enough, Mr. Anthony Cole, uh, who was the owner, operator, and CEO of, of Brie Combination Wrestling, um, saw something in me, and he said, you know, I want you on my commentary team, and that's how I started. I was not originally part of the creative team in the very beginning, uh, and then we would just have conversations after the show, right? We'd go to dinner, and we'd, we'd go out after the shows, and we just would have conversations about the direction of the company and things we wanted to do, what ideas that I had, and he took a chance on me, man. Um by no means do I think I'm anywhere near halfway good. I think I'm pretty pretty decent, right? Um, but I, I learn every day, man. I learn every day, uh, get better every single day. I make mistakes, but we look to learn from them and we look to get better. And, you know, I think my hope, along with everybody else's, is one day somebody on the big leagues, you know, whether it be Japan, Ring of Honor, WWE, you know, um, even, even Impact, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when I can put my name to paper, and, and they could say, hey, we want you here as a commentator. We want you here as a member of a creative team. I think that, that that's my dream now more so than, hey, we want you here as a full-time wrestler, you know? I hear you. Hey, Ray, do you have any questions for Mr. Rosado? <clears throat> um, let's see. What can I ask Pete? Can I ask no, Pete? God. <laughs> no, Ray. No, <laughs> please. What are you thinking? No, don't torture <laughs> <laughs> No, let me be polite because we're on the podcast. So I'll be nice. Oh, uh, okay, Pete, how have you mentioned your start? How'd you get in the business and everything? Uh, what was that first gig of yours that you ever felt, okay, I'm doing the right thing? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life, or per se, what do you want to do the rest in the wrestling business? Um, 
the first time I did commentary, um, you know, I, I, I loved interviewing. Don't get me wrong. I, I am one that I love spending time coming up with questions. I remember um, I interviewed Angelina Love one day and I asked her, I said, you know, many people know that you're Canadian, right? Angelina Love is a Canadian citizen. She can't, She was born and raised in Canada. But what many people may not know is that Angelina Love actually has said that her favorite wrestler going up was Shawn Michaels. And so I was like, how does that work? You know, you being a, a young girl in Canada, you know, where Bret Hart is like God, and you're the Shawn Michaels fan. She likes the bad boys. That makes sense. You know, uh, and she would, and, you know, she asked me, she was like, you know, no one's ever asked me that question. And I was like, I just took two minutes to kind of look it up, right? Um, but, and that was fun, don't get me wrong. Um, but I always felt something was missing. And the first time I got to do commentary, I sat there and I said, wow, like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I can't, not that I can't, but I, I don't have the time or the ability. I mean, I'm not the most athletic person in the world. I don't have the ability that these incredible men and women who get in the ring have. Um, but I have the ability to sell a story and to tell a story and to really do what I can to get the, uh, the, the men and women who are in the ring, uh, you know, better, better exposed uh, on the microphone. And so the first time I did commentary, I said, I'm, I'm doing something right. Though I really said that with no voice because the first time I did commentary, I lost my voice. Uh, yeah, you know, that usually happens though. It's, it's, a, it's a thing with you. Gotta yeah, get those jobs, getting brother. to the main event of your first show, and you're kind of like, you're talking like this into the microphone. It's terrible. Um, Damn. Yeah, it really, it really was terrible. But um, you know, I, I knew right off the bat, like commentary is what I wanted to do. I love doing it. Um, you know, I really enjoyed like a few, a couple of my first shows. Uh, the commentary was very, very basic, very close to the ring, uh, and I have a very loud voice. Thank you, Puerto Rican mother. Um, <laughs> and, and I would have a couple of wrestlers come to the back, and they'd be like, wow, I heard your commentary while you were doing my match. It was really, really cool. Thanks. Or, or co- wrestlers come up to me afterwards and say, oh, wow, I heard the commentary in your match. That was awesome and, on my match, and that was awesome, and this, this, and this. And, um, so it was those moments that I kind of solidified myself, but... Awesome. You know, in no way do I think I'm great yet. I mean, every single time I do commentary, Ray, you know this firsthand. Every single time I do a show, especially for a company that I'm working for for the first time or something like that, I go to like 50 people and probably the most annoying person after the show. Hey, how did I do? Was everything good? Did you like everything? You know, I'm very critical of myself. Yeah. yeah. That is always, that d- does go with the business, though. You're always going to be your worst critic in a way. It's yeah, always going to be, yeah, I don't think I did it tonight. Shit, they're going to notice. It's usually everyone that says, you did fine, you're good, you're awesome. You're going to be like, no, he's lying. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what it is. Like, yeah. Tell me the truth, damn it. <laughs> I feel like, and then it is always me and AJ are like, you good men moment. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> like, no, like, I, I feel like it's a, a few good men. Like, I feel like I'm Tom Cruise. Like, you know, did you order the code red? You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, but I you do have a loud voice, though. I'm at the DJ booth sometimes, and I'm like, Shit, this is why Pete loses his voice. I can hear it. <laughs> I've gotten better, though. Like, I think, you know, over the last year or so, like, because I've been doing it so consistently now, like, <sighs> I can carry my voice the whole show, and I don't think I've ever gotten to a point again like I was my first show. Like, my first show, like I said, I, I completely lost my voice by the time I got to the main event. So I can tell you, honestly, and I apologize to that company, 
the main event was probably sounded like shit. Um, but I've gotten so much better at being able to keep my voice. Now it's just a matter of being able to tell that story as well as possible. And every single time you always tell yourself, oh man, I missed that. And, oh man, I missed that. Oh, I should have brought that up. And oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Uh, and it's always tough really with those guys. Like I'll tell you right now, I want to, but I don't want to ever call commentary for a Will Ospreay match. Really? Like I want oh. to, because God, that'd be awesome. But I don't want to because I'm going to look back and be like, fuck, I missed like 10 moves. That is but most rest. of them are just flips. I think you could do a flip and just call it a flip. Pete, I do have a question. If I have another follow-up question, no, go ahead, Ben. So you're a guy. You're a guy who tends to shoot from the hip. Be very honest about things, right? I try to be. All right. This is a two-part question. Who's been your fan? Okay, if you don't feel comfortable answering it, answering this, don't. But here we go. Who's been your favorite person to work with, and who's been your least favorite person to work with in terms of wrestling talent? Like this, uh, like, in terms the, of calling matches, like on the commentary table, or just in the business in general. Uh, in the business in general, like I'm talking about in-ring talent. Like, oh, Damn it, Ben, you just wanted to say my name for the person he hates, doesn't it? No, he hates. Yeah, uh, that's exactly who I'm going to name. Um, ben asked in-ring talent. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ray. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever worked with um, a bad talent. Uh, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I can ever say anyone's the worst. Um, you know. Uh, in terms of best, I think that's a it, it's kind of a loaded question because it's hard to say who's the best in ring talent. I, I, I think everybody's uh, very very good at what they do. I mean, these men and women are in the ring for a reason. Uh, they are they are booked by the companies they're booked for for a reason because they they have a a talent. Um, yes, are some you know relatively better in in re- in, in in relation to others. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, is is Ric Flair better than your, you know, your local indie company's, uh, you know, best guy? I mean, probably, because he's Ric Flair, right? But can that local indie company's best guy one day become a talent on the level of Ric Flair? Of course they can, given the dedication, the time, the availability, you know, things like that. Um, so I think it's a really tough question. Um to answer because I, I think I've worked with so many great talent in every single company I've worked for. And there's still talent that I want to be able to work with. There's talent that I want. I want to call that match. I want to call mm-hmm. this match. I want to call this person's match. So it, it's really a tough question to answer. I know most people are going to say, Oh, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to say, cause it is at the end of the day, you said it foul I'm very honest. Uh, at, it's not that I don't want to answer the question. I just don't think there's a right answer to that question. I respect that. Mike, do you Come have on, any questions? Just say juicy product. You want to say juicy product? <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I listen. I love juicy product. They're great. They're incredible. Uh, but you know what I would, you know, uh, I, I think there are some tag teams out there. You know, let me, you, you want me to shoot from the hip, Falbo? Sure. I'm very interested to see how how November 12th at Beyond Wrestling turns out because I want to see the Juicy Product back together again because I wonder if they still got it. Ooh. Right? I, like I love those two men. JT Dunn and David Starr are awesome individual talents. 
but it's been a long time since they've teamed together. Am I lying? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Has teamed together. Do they yeah. still have that same chemistry? Do they still have that same timing? Is David Starr the product to JT Dunn's juice? Is it going to gel the same way it gelled during the glory days? And you know what? It just might. But that's worth a look. Because it's been the first time in a long time that those two men are getting back together on the tag team stage. And I want to see whether or not I'm going to see either the same great juicy product or if I'm going to see an even better version of the juicy product. Mm. Mike, I like that have, answer. Mike, do you have any questions? Uh, yes. Uh, so you've been both an interviewer and you currently do uh, commentary. Who would you say like are your influences for both when you do interviews and when you do commentary? Um, so my biggest influence um, in commentary, I will say, is is the late great Bobby the Brain Heenan, right? Um, everybody has a wrestler that makes them want to get into wrestling. For me, it was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, the original Four Horsemen. Um, you know, watching those guys and always, I, I always, I always felt the connection to Arn Anderson, especially in that one promo where he said, I'm not the biggest, fastest, strongest, best looking or smartest guy in the ring, but you're damn sure you're going to get your money's worth whenever Arn Anderson's in the ring. And I always felt the same way about myself. I wasn't, you know, anything special, you know, but I was going to give you the best I had. Right. Um, but Bobby Heenan is the man that really called to me when it came to professional wrestling. I wanted to be Bobby Heenan. I wanted to be the guy you love to hate. And to this day, there is, in my opinion, no better piece of commentary gold than Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan calling the Rumble when Flair went from two to champion. I, I agree 100%. Right? The, the, the ability for Bobby Heenan to go from being the weaselly, pro-flair, biased announcer to, make, to, to the point where you wanted to kill him, to the point where he was making you crack up, to the point where you loved him, the way he was able to seamlessly do it from second to second was incredible. Um... Obviously, later on, I grew enamored with the style of, of Joey Styles and, and Paul Heyman. Um, and I would honestly say if there were three men, you know, if we're looking at early, you know, kind of like that 90s attitude era and then late um, guys that are really model what I do after Bobby Heenan from the Golden Age, Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman slash Joey Styles from that like modern era, that attitude era, and from the current era, really kind of a mix of Morrow and Corey Graves. Like, I like... <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? Corey reminds me, honestly, on commentary, Corey Graves reminds me of a very young, energetic, and vibrant Paul Heyman. Hmm. Right? I, I, I could yeah. Yeah. Do you think you know, Corey? Do you he, think Corey would make the truth? He tells the truth. He doesn't really speak from an announcer's point of view, but at the same time, he doesn't speak from an overly wrestler's point of view. 
Like he, he's able to really walk that line between being a, an announcer and a former wrestler and make you really feel like he makes very clear, concise points. And I love that. And maybe it's because I started in sports radio. Maybe it's because I started as a sports reporter and I wanted to be that guy that made a case. I make my points so you can hear my case. And sometimes I'm playing devil's advocate. And that's why I really love Corey. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he does that. Moro, he just gives that real world feel to it. No disrespect to Jim Ross, but there's no way I think Jim Ross went sat at that announcing table with a wealth of information. I mean, Jim Ross is kind of like, he's my Mount Rushmore of announcers. And, you know, that includes guys like Gorilla Monsoon and guys like that. Uh, I don't, I'm never going to touch the, the Mount Rushmore. But guys that I think I can really model myself after, Heenan, Heyman, Styles, Graves, Ronaldo, uh, I think all of those guys kind of blended together. You get a really, really great announcer that gives you that emotion, storytelling, and at the same time really makes you think. Yeah. Most hmm. definitely. So to take it from that point in terms of your influences – on the uh, on the mic and uh, and in the in sort of on microphone, I have to ask like as a because we don't get to talk to like behind the scenes people involved in creative on the show very often. What would you would you say that it's one thing to be a fan and like come up with your own storylines and to actually be someone behind the behind the curtain writing all of this stuff? Would you say it's a it's it's a little bit different than what you pictured? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've always said, I mean, the hardest thing, you know, the hardest thing to remember, right, is that wrestling is a business, right? And not every company in the world has, you know, it's not like we have Scrooge McDuck, you know, as the benefactor for every professional wrestling company. And you, we all know it. We've been there. We've been at a wrestling show and we've either been that fan or we've heard that fan in the crowd that says, Oh, I wish this company would get this guy and this guy and this guy. Why don't they get this guy? Why don't they get that guy? Right. And it'd be great. Right. If I had like 20, 30, 40, $50,000 show, Right. You know, I'd book all the dream matches and you get everything. But you know, what's very interesting is when you really when you're when you're sitting down and you're trying to create these storylines, you really you really got to put the dedication and time into it. It's not just we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Everyone thinks they can be an armchair booker. Okay, everybody thinks they can be the Monday morning quarterback. Everybody thinks they can watch Raw and on Tuesday morning. Oh, I would do this different. I would do this different. I would do this different. And then how many times when we get to the end of the storyline are we just like, oh my God, that was great, right? Like, gentlemen, I'll be very honest. We all remember the Daniel Bryan storylines, right? Yep. Yes. How many of us, ourselves included, how many fans were moaning and complaining every single time Daniel Bryan did not win the championship? I was. Yeah, I I was in that group. Right, and then how much did you cream your pants at WrestleMania? Yep. I, I, I kept it together. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you know, Just single me out, all right. Sometimes we don't understand 
how the pieces fit together in the middle. And, you know, the big companies have it a little bit easier in the sense that their their talent is under a contract. They're there every single show. They're there all the time. So they really get to control how the storyline happens at a very micro level. With independent wrestling, it becomes a little bit difficult because not all of the talent that you're going to bring in every show is going to be there every show, right? So sometimes, you know, you may have a storyline for a guy and, hey, I just got, you know, signed to a contract by a major company. Well, what happens now, right? Or, um, hey, I just got signed to go do an international tour uh, in the middle of a six-month storyline and we're two months in uh, and I won't be able to make the next four shows, right? So, like, how do we really get around those things and how do we really build those storylines um, with both talent that, you know, comes in and out and talent that's going to be there all the time? Um, you really want... you. It really becomes a chess game. And I think the one advantage that I've had, okay... I sat down and I listened to Raven uh, do do a shoot interview one time, and they asked him about booking because many people, if you remember, Raven was part of the WWE WWF at the time booking team. Right, right. Back when he was uh-huh. solo. Before, before he even, yeah, before he even became Raven. Right, and the, the man's a genius, right? But what most people don't realize about you know storylines is. You don't start your storyline at the beginning. You start at the end. Yeah, the payoff. It's always the Where do I want this to go, right? Like, what's that payoff? Where do I want this to go? And then you build backwards, right? And the one advantage I have to that is that I work in real life in an industry where what I do every day is exactly that. I'm a teacher. I'm a middle school teacher. And when we're taught how to write lesson plans, when we're taught how to create a lesson plan or a unit plan for our students on how we're going to teach something, we're always taught, start from the end of the unit. Where do you want your kids to be? What do you want them to have mastered? What do you want them to have learned at the end? Plan your ending first. And then work backwards. Because if you plan from the beginning, you'll never get to the end. Because you're always going to add another piece. That's actually really solid advice for anybody out there. If there's anybody out there looking to get into writing in general, that's actually really good advice. You know, and it's the same thing with a story, a novel, anything. Where is it going to end? What's the end for? J.K. Rowling said the same thing about Harry Potter. She knew what the end of the last book was going to be before she wrote the first book. She knew what the payoff was. And then it allows you to take the reader, take the wrestling fan, take your student on that journey. And the journey gets to that end point. You know what to cut. You know what not to use. And if you run into a situation where things do change, you know how to streamline what it is you're doing so that you still get everything in. That's a a really good point. To that that end, I actually have a question involving wrestling creative for you. Discerning among your taste in storylines, as a writer now, 
What do you feel is the best booked wrestling storyline of all time? But what do you feel is the worst booked wrestling storyline of all time? Um, your favorite and your least favorite. Oh, man. And, and see, here's the thing. I wasn't around. You know, there's a lot of wrestling that I missed, right? I missed a lot of the great AWA stuff, a lot of the great NWA stuff. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't really watch uh, because I didn't have cable. I was a poor, you know, a poor Latino child in the Bronx. Um, I didn't have the cable to watch, like, ECW. And uh, I missed a lot of the, the Monday Night Raw years where they were on, like, TNN um, and things like that. I will say the worst uh, the worst storyline that I know of, that I remember actually watching, uh, is a tie between Shawn Michaels tag teaming with God, <laughs> right, um, and the Godly Googer. Ooh. <laughs> right? Hmm. Um, and I think, listen, I think... We can literally be here all night going over some of the worst things. Uh, May Young and Mark Henry giving birth to a hand. <laughs> right. Um, uh, Vince McMahon being the higher power. Uh. Right. Um, I do have some really, you know, when you think of really good ones. Um, Eddie Guerrero's Rise. Right from 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 nondescript cruiserweight all the way up to WWE champion. I can right, that's that, a good choice. That was great. It was great. Um, in re- you want if you, if you really want to be honest, I really love, and maybe it's because I'm a little biased towards the Horsemen. As much as the NWO had gotten stale by this time, I really loved the Kurt Henning turn on the Horseman. Ooh. That was actually, mm. after Griffith on that one, that was actually, like, it was real to a lot of people. Right, because that Anderson, yeah. like, that promo that Arn Anderson gave, where he gave Kurt Henning his spot, it was, yeah. and Arn, Arn Anderson hand to heart one of the most underrated and under respected and under underappreciated wrestlers in this business definitely so he's a workhorse it's weird right and a man that personally i wished if i could go back i'm sorry daniel bryan i'm sorry everybody right if i could go back and change Injury shorting someone's wrestling career. I'd go back and, ch- and change it on Arn Anderson. That's that's a good choice, actually. You know, because I can I, I only imagine what Arn Anderson could have been in that era of WCW, right? In that era of you know, you talk about the Monday Night War, put WCW on top for a little while. Imagine if Arn Anderson had been much more of a major part of it. I think mm-hmm. WCW would have won. Uh, workhorse like Arn? Mm. I, I mean, listen, you can legitimately, to this day, I think, put Arn Anderson against just about any major... Yeah, listen, I, you know what match I'd love to see? Screw AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar. Give me Arn Anderson, Brock Lesnar. Oh, 
That would be something. Oh. Arn in his Give prime? Arn Anderson Ooh. in his horseman prime versus Brock. That would be something. Mm. That's too. That's too beast, right there. You know what match like, I would actually. You know what match I'd actually like to see, and he still steps out of retirement every so often. I would love to see Dan Severn versus Brock Lesnar. Hmm. Yeah, Severn in his prime would have been. I honestly, as much as I love Lesnar, I think Lesnar is a beast, both um, as a wrestler and as a martial, a mixed martial artist. Dan Severn, I think that that match is Severn's without a, without a, without a, without, a, without a doubt. That would in his be. prime or just now? That no, Severn in his prime of... was one of the most unstoppable forces in both yeah. mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. He was. Yeah. He did them That's both. Right, the one guy to hold the NWA and UFC title for. Yeah, I can agree with that. Same time. Um, but you what know, about, we, what, we what talk about, about like modern day storylines. Honestly, cool. modern day. One of the greatest storylines that I think that was going on for a long time, for a little while, uh, in my opinion, was honestly the way that the WWE introduced Kevin Owens to the main roster. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> right? People always say that Cena, that John Cena, and listen, I am yet another one of those people that don't like the way how long the Cena era has gone on. I get it from a business standpoint. I get it, right? There is nobody making the WWE as much money as John Cena does, even on a part-time basis, right? I get it. Do I think the character's bland? Yeah. Would I love for it to, you know, inject a little spice into it? Of course. But I get it, right? Um, But for everyone saying that John Cena has a shovel, John Cena buries young talent, right? Um. The night that Kevin Owens walked on to WWE television, walked into the ring with the NXT championship, and powerbombed John Cena to the point where he did not move. Right? Look at what the WWE did in that point. Not only did they solidify Kevin Owens immediately, immediately as a main roster force, he just floored the biggest man on your roster for the last 15 years with one move. Right. Two, they solidified NXT as a brand because Kevin Owens didn't walk out there by himself. Kevin yeah, the Owens walked out there as the NXT champion. And NXT, and what did he do? He powerbombed Cena. He looked at the United States title. He pushed it to the side and he raised the NXT championship. He gave NXT legitimacy and validity on the main roster, immediately. Preach. Mm. That made it a brand, yeah. On the really was right. the perfect booking for him. On the so if I'm thinking modern day, I think that's one of the better um, storylines for a character or just booking of a character, like the immediacy of how well um, they built him. I can honestly say that like many people, there are some, there are a lot of things that I kind of like cock my head to the side and wonder like why is this happening and I don't get this and maybe this person can be utilized better and things like that um Mm -hmm. like I'll be honest with you I loved Roman Reigns beating The Undertaker I got it I understood it right what I didn't understand is the way that he responded to it 
I thought. <laughs> yeah, I like thought, the payoff right. didn't make sense. Yeah. Like, right. I at thought that point, the next if they night wanted to turn Night Raw, they could have done it. Yeah. Right. The amount of heat that he got and things like that. I've honestly said that if they wanted to keep Roman Reigns a babyface and they wanted to do it, what they should have done was not done Reigns and and uh, and and Taker at Mania. They should have done Braun Strowman and Taker at Mania. Right. 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 And you should have had Braun Strowman, you know, take out Taker and almost disrespect his legacy. Right. And you should have had Reigns come out on Monday Night Raw while Strowman came out and got all that heat for defeating The Undertaker. And, you know, he's rubbing it in everyone's face. You have Roman Reigns come out and you have him say that he is going to beat the crap, you know, out of Braun Strowman, out of respect of The Undertaker's legacy. And if The Undertaker was the big dog in the yard, Reigns is going to live up to his legacy and earn his place as the big dog in the yard. And what should have then happened was you have a nice war between Reigns and Strowman with essentially Undertaker passing the torch to Roman Reigns in that way. That way you keep Roman Reigns as this crazy, insane babyface and Strowman's the guy they hated. Well, what did they do? You wanted Strowman to be a heel. You wanted yeah. Reigns to be a babyface. And, and Strowman got a babyface cheer and a babyface pop when he came out and destroyed Reigns. Yeah. Not the best storylines by the <laughs> You know, No, I have to say there's one there's one more that's worse. That I, I know you might question it too, Pete. Because we're both definitely we love our culture of being Latinos. When we had the first like the new world champion of Rey Mysterio in 06, am I the only one that hated that storyline, him just getting the push because of Eddie Passer? You got me, Eddie. You got me, Eddie. No, it's um, not even not even the Randy and all that. It's just I felt like they kind of just threw it at Ray because, ah, uh, yeah, let's just give another Latino the title. Well, could you? We could say the same thing, even though it didn't involve a death. We could say the same thing about Christian. The only reason why many people believe Christian got the title is because Edge went down with the injury and right, Edge right, kind of right. said, "Hey, put the title on Christian." Like Vince McMahon mm. came in and he was like, "Ah, goddammit, put the title on another fucking Canuck." Yeah, right. No, but, but is that, I, is that, I, that's one wrong. wrong. I think Christian totally deserved a, a, a run with the title. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he definitely did. Right? You know, that, that's just not something that Vince did. You want to know something that I hated? I loved it when it happened, and then I hated it when I found out all these years later that there was something behind it. I don't know if any of you guys read this story. The story came out, um, and I know I lost my shit when it happened. When Dolph Ziggler won, casting Money in the Bank on Del Rio the night after Mania. Right, right. I think I know and what story you're talking about. What, that he wasn't supposed to win? That Vince basically walked into the room and said, we're going to put the title on Dolph, but we're not pushing him. Yes, I, yeah, I, 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 read, yeah, I, read, I read that. I read that story. That yeah. pissed me off too, man. I wanted to fucking smash him. I'm like, then what the fuck? It's ridiculous. You know, and and I was just like, then why would you waste your time, right? Like, why why would you waste your time putting the title on a guy who, to this day, has still proven himself to be a great workhorse in the ring? Right. right. But I can kind of to see that. I can I can question it with this though, Pete. Did he need the push when that reaction he got that night in Madison Square Garden sold it itself? Why are you just passing in? 
why are you going to put the biggest championship or the second biggest championship in your company on someone that you don't intend to actually push as a legitimate champion? If he's a heel and you want to book him as a paper champion, fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler got a huge pop, and you can tell me it was the post-WrestleMania crowd. You can tell me whatever it is. But at the end of the day, Dolph Ziggler got a pop when he won the Money in the Bank briefcase. He was building towards his great babyface run, and him winning that championship on that night was an incredible moment. And I've always felt bad for him because I felt like he's never... And granted, he got a concussion. He had a couple of injuries. He never got his due afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But I can think, right. I bet Vince changed his mind the minute he saw that reaction. I couldn't think afterward he's going to say, you know what? No, nah, I still don't want to push the guy. I bet if legitimate, like we say, what if the injuries never happened? I couldn't see Ziggler without getting that run that he deserved. There's a lot of guys who, you know, didn't get, you know, didn't get runs. But I think what changed between, you know, Ted DiBiase never got a run with the belt, but there will never be someone in the world who says that Teddy Biasi is not one of the best wrestlers of his time, right? Yeah, um, there's a lot of guys we can say that about him. Ryan Piper never got a run, run yeah. with the belt, but everyone will always say Rick Rude. he's one of the best wrestlers of his time, right? Yeah. But the difference was that they were, they were in an era where I felt like the WWF at the time really was very concentrated on making sure that their wrestlers below the world title were very well built and had legitimacy. There was not a, there was very few guys that were on the upper mid card of the WWF at that time who you did not legitimately see as oh this guy could be champion, right? I always said that one way I would have booked and not go back to Roman Reigns. One way I would have booked Roman Reigns would have been the same way they booked the Ultimate Warrior back in when he was the Intercontinental Champion. I would have had Roman Reigns win a mid-card title like the Intercontinental Championship and make it legitimate, have great matches, and continue to be the Intercontinental Champion until you got to a big pay-per-view like SummerSlam or something like that and have him then use his Intercontinental Championship and his resume as defending the Intercontinental Championship and say, I want a shot at the World Championship, right? And if I lose, I'll give up the Intercontinental Championship, right? But if I win, I get the World title. I'll still give up the Intercontinental title, but I'll be the World Heavyweight Champion. And that would have been a great way to build him up as a fan favorite, as a babyface, and actually have people feel like he was legitimately built, Right. Yeah. The knock on Reigns has always been he was hot shotted. And we get that with a lot of guys. We got that with early Sheamus. We got that with Cena for a little But you know, see here's the thing. When Cena won his first world championship, there were everybody was a fan because they saw Cena go from that young upstart kid who slapped the crap out of Kurt Angle. Ruthless aggression. Right? Ruthless aggression. To building himself up. So when he won that first championship, the fans were invested in him. The fans liked him. The fans actually saw, wow, this kid was built from the bottom up. It wasn't like he went 
and you almost, it was like he was positioned to be the champion. Like, he earned it. And people felt like he earned it. People only started hating, quote-unquote, Cena when, you know, it was to the point where he was like, oh, he'll lose the title today, but he'll win it back tomorrow. Yeah, right. now Cena's gone to the point of even complacent, in a sense. Mm. Without something else changing the, the character. People hated about Reigns. They felt yeah. like, if we boo you... That's not going to change anything. If we cheer you, we're giving the WWE what they want. But we want to boo you. But it's and, and we always say, well, the fans are well, the fans are where the money is. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, this is it's a business of the fans, but it's not a business of the fans, right? Like it's mm. it's more of a business of the fans' money, right? Yeah, Who's I always selling? say wrestling. It's kind of sad. It's not about. What you can do, but it's how much money you can make me. Right. That's the sad part about the business that I've always noticed. That's like, yeah, it's more about the money. It's not even, it's talent, yes, but it's always about how much it's getting people to buy in. Like, that's what the Xena was, Rock was, Roman is to a degree, and especially Hogan. To bring to Hogan, I want to get that last point in is, if it wasn't for Hogan going to the NWO, do you think he would have been Zena? Would he have been that complacent? Just winning so at every stayed, If he would have stayed in the WWE, yeah. Yeah, because Hogan, if you see the same timeline, it's the same as Zena. He was champion, 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 beating every big name. And it's like, yeah, it's big match Hogan. He's just going to win. That leap to WCW and becoming enough, doing the NWO storyline, that saved Hogan in a sense, in my opinion. Listen, if there's one thing you can say about Vince, but WCW did the same thing. And if you saw the Ric Flair's 30 for 30 last night, you know, they made it very apparent, right? They made it very apparent. Um, I think most wrestling promoters are like this, especially on the big leagues, the territories and all that. They have their guy that they hitch their wagon to. And they're going to ride that horse until it dies, right? And... If I can still squeeze another penny out of you, I'm going to get that penny. And look at what WCW did. WCW, and it was said on the 30 for 30 yesterday, WCW, whenever it wanted a big rating, whenever it wanted a lot of fans to tune in, whenever it wanted a big pay-per-view sellout, what did they do? They called Ric Flair. Yep. Right? Um, and, And Vince was the same way. Vince... In my opinion, never met the man, never spoken to the man. This is completely my own unadulterated opinion, right? Vince McMahon would have never turned Hulk Hogan heel because he was too invested in Hulk Hogan, the real American hero, Hulk Hogan, the yellow and the red and yellow, and he would have never have switched him. Same reason he would never turn Cena here. He's not willing to take that risk, and what happens is he loses out on the money, right? WCW was willing to take that risk because they had already taken a risk in signing Hulk Hogan. Yeah. To bring them in in general, he's already getting, he's a traitor because he's going to the other company, so it's like, eh, not even that. Watch old WCW. Go back and watch old WCW tapes. When Hogan got was brought to WCW in the very beginning, the red and yellow got popped. The red and yellow had some of course because it's still fresh on it's right. still fresh Hogan. But very but quickly, what same, happened? It's the same guy. Very quickly, Hogan got bland in the WCW because by that time the WWF was on television and nationally. Like it wasn't like it was back in the day where 
the WWF was only on the East Coast or the Eastern Seaboard, and WCW was only down South. And maybe if that was still the case, they could have rolled the red and yellow in WCW for another 15 years, right? Of course, yeah. But the WCW fans had already seen Hulk Hogan as as the red and yellow. They were as tired of it as the WWF fans were. They they, They let it go for a little bit, and then they were like, okay, we're tired now. And WCW was like, you know what? We're playing with house money. So let's do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it became the biggest thing in wrestling. And in my opinion, it extended Hulk Hogan's career by another 20 years. I completely agree. I can agree with that. Mike, do you have any other questions for Mr. Rosada before we move on to the latest wrestling news? So, because our friend over here doesn't want to ask it himself. Oh, God. How did you feel when the law Ray Ramundo started working for BCW? And do you remember how he got into BCW? (laughs) (laughs) It never came out Um, of my mouth, so you can't say it was me. um, And and maybe it's because of the way that I got into the wrestling business. Maybe it's the way that I've always felt about life. Um, I've always believed in paying it forward, right? It was tough for me to get into the wrestling business. And even to this day, most people don't know this. Like, it's 2017. We're going into 2018. Um, If we look at when I did my first job in professional wrestling, we're going on about five years that I've been doing things in wrestling, right? Uh, Not consistently, Right. Um, and sometimes I've gone backwards and forwards. I started as an interview guy. Then I became uh, a cameraman. Then I became uh, an announcer. Then I became a commentator. And then, you know, now I've gotten a couple of great breaks doing commentary for some great companies and like Five Borough Wrestling and BCW and Fiesta Pro Wrestling and BBWF and, and getting some ring announcing work with NYWC and places like that. Um, you know, and I'm sorry if I missed anybody, right? Like, um, but I believe in paying it forward, right? It was it was tough. It's very tough for someone that does not have a wrestling background, that did not get in the ring, that did not do those things, that don't that 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 is not coming from a wrestling school to get into the wrestling business and not be a wrestler, right? You know, it's not exactly you know commentary spots just opening up everywhere or ring announcing spots opening up everywhere. And I had known Ray uh, previously, uh, attending shows and things like that. And I knew that, you know, he wanted to be a part of what we were doing at BCW. And I was very early on. I had just kind of started getting a little bit of quote unquote influence, as they would say, or as Jeff Jarrett would say, stroke, right? Uh, (laughs) And. You know, I said, hey, I told Anthony Cole, uh, I said, hey, listen, there's a kid, you know, uh, I know he means well, he wants to do some work for us, he wants a shot, and like I said, I'm a big believer in paying it forward. I got a shot because somebody believed in me, so if I can believe in somebody and give them a shot, you know, I should, that's, it's only right for me to do that. I shouldn't close the door on somebody else trying to get into the business. Um, And Anthony Cole said, okay, well, I need a music guy. And I was like, okay, if there, if, can he help me with other things too? Like if I need some help on things, can he help me? And he was like, yeah, sure. And, and Ray, Ray joined the team and, you know, Ray's been a very valuable member of the team. Um, 
you know, it's Ben brought this up. The avenging, I love that by the way. The event, the avenging Ben. Um, Ben brought it up a little earlier. Like, you know, there's a different perspective as a fan, right? Like, when we're sitting there as fans, we see things from one side of the guardrail. And when we get on the other side of the guardrail, I think sometimes there are people that forget what it was like to be a fan of wrestling, right? You can't always, like, when I'm sitting down in a meeting with the creative team and the CEO of BCW, I can't put my fan hat on, right? Because I'm not writing a show for myself. I'm not. I'm not gonna buy five hundred tickets to come to the show. Like it's not five hundred Peter Rosados or five hundred, you know, you know Anthony Coles coming to the show. We have to find a way to write a show where we're gonna be bringing in wrestlers and talent that the fans want to see. And with that, it's good to keep a fan perspective, but also have a very business perspective. And I try to leverage the two, and Ray does the same thing. And it's great because Ray Ray is still very much closer to the fan perspective than I am. I think I've been – I think just because I've been doing a lot of things – I kind of get away from the fan perspective and maybe it's because I just don't go to a lot of shows as I used to anymore. And, and I, and I, because I do more work in the wrestling business, I forget to be a fan sometimes. Um, and I can honestly say that one of the things that Ray brings to just the entire BCW team, you know, even sitting there as just the DJ is he adds that reminder to not forget to be a fan. Like not, don't forget you know, what it was like to be that fan and try to recreate that in a sense. So I've gone to Ray for advice. And I think also because Ray watches more wrestling than I do at times, right? Like, Hey Ray, who's hot right now? Who's out there that I may not have heard of and, and things like that. Um, and Ray is, Ray has thrown some names at me that I'm proud to say, um, are parts of the BCW roster like Ace Andrews? Ace Andrews is a kid that I may have I may have overlooked because I may not have paid attention to the the, the companies that he was running uh, he was running and he was wrestling in right. But Ray was paying attention, and so Ray would say, "Hey Pete, I know this guy. This is what his background is. This is what his resume is, and he'd like a shot. You know, what's my job? My job is to take that information." And, and get as much of it as I can and take it to my CEO and say, hey, listen, there's this kid and uh, he's good and he'd like to come and work for our company. Uh, here you go. You know, and then Anthony Cole sits down in a room and, you know, I, I, I honestly believe Anthony Cole has like a, a secret room where he just sits and watches wrestling all day. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, God. Um, and he sits there and he watches the, these guys matches, these girls matches. And then he says, hey, I really like this person. Um, let's see if we can utilize them at some point. And then that's when the job comes back to me and the rest of the creative team. Like, how are we going to utilize this person and what are we going to do? And what, what spots do we want to put them in? Like, who are they going to wrestle? And again, it's what do the fans want to see? Like, you know, we got a lot of fans who talked about, you know, Ace Andrews versus Alvin Alvarez, the last show that match ended with both of those men being bloody messes and a no decision. And so, you know, we heard back from a lot of fans. And what did they want to see? They wanted to see the rematch. So we said, hey, you guys are going to fight again. This is going to be a rematch. And, you know, 
that's something that the fans want to see, right? The fans, you know, want to see, you know, I've heard a lot of fans talking about, hey, what's going on with TJ, TJ Marconi and, and Darius Carter, the crusade for change? And, well, you're going to find out this Friday, right? Um, on the you know, subject. What's going on? On the subject. Since we're wrapping this up, you you have a sh- there's a show this Friday, and I have a feeling that you want to plug it. So, sir, uh, take it away if you don't mind. Well, if you're gonna be the socket, I'm gonna be the plug, big man, right? Boom. That sounded a little wrong. That, that just uh, sounded horrible. Oh. Remind them to come to our show on Friday, please. Just, just, God, just, that, just tell people where to go. God, that sounded horrible. Uh, you know what? Oh, I'm good for one soundbite, right? Now, um, yeah, this Friday, <laughs> this Friday, November, November the 10th, it's uh, it's Veterans Day, um, and you know we are actually giving um, you know 50 percent off of tickets to anybody who you know comes to the show with a veterans or current active military ID, right? If you buy a ticket at the door and you have a current uh, active or a veterans military ID, 50 percent off your ticket. Um, in appreciation of Veterans Day, but BCW is giving our last show of 2017, right? We're going on hiatus. We're coming back in January, so no fear there, but Final Judgment is this Friday, and it is it is jam-packed, man. we got Darius Carter versus TJ Marconi one-on-one, two former friends, two former brothers in the Crusade for Change going one-on-one. Um, we have a huge uh, scramble match with five of the Best young talent that we could get: Sebastian Cage, Smiley, uh, Brand, the Shred God, Brandon Watts, the uh, the Communist Jack Cisco. Which I cannot wait to see what's going to happen when a Communist walks into a Veterans Day show. Ah, uh, we didn't plan that correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I just thought ooh. about that. Ooh. Oh, yeah, poor right. Jack. <laughs> I guess we don't know Jack, right? We didn't know Jack about wrestling because we just booked that. Damn. Right. Um, <laughs> another, uh, the rematch, Alvin Alvarez versus Ace Andrews uh, in, in what we are calling the blood and guts match, right? Um, big match, a match I'm very excited for, right? The Greek god Papa Don one-on-one against Bull James. And my guess I was going to say, you're Mr. Papa Don. Where's that gyro? That that match is going to be about about one of the most hard-hitting matches. We have women's action, so I know Mike is happy. (laughs) Uh, Super threat women's action, Willow Nightingale versus Adira versus Ali Rex. Ooh, three-way. Yeah, well, you know, don't get any ideas. (laughs) No, speaking about sexy and all that. Uh, tell about the next match, Pete. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and this yes. Is, listen, try and ex- try to concise this one in a right? few sentences. Try to explain this the one. Sexy Saiyan strap on match. I'm out. Featuring <laughs> <laughs> uh, sizzling stand styles and uh, Eric Jaden. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a couple more matches. Let's, let's get through the brass, right? Danny Demato makes his return to BCW, and I am proud to say, you know, one of his first matches back after that horrific injury as he faces the current number one contender for the BCW World Heavyweight Championship in Azriel. That's going to be a good match. We also have a singles match between Mick Drake, the newest member of the PCA, going one-on-one with Sonny Kiss, and 
Last but not least, we have a huge, honestly, a huge tag team match when the Ugly Ducklings, who have christened BCW as their their Northern Duck Pond, right? The Ugly Ducklings take on Adrenaline Express. And here's the thing, guys. A lot of places that the young, the Ugly Ducklings have gone, people are calling them the Young Ducks, right? A lot of people clamoring for an Ugly Ducklings Young Bucks match, right? Where's my beer? <laughs> the Young Bucks in tag team action. But mean? probably the biggest story on Friday, what's going to happen to the BCW World Heavyweight Championship? Mike Orlando was originally scheduled to face Teddy Hart one-on-one. We all heard of uh, Teddy Hart's legal troubles in Texas. He's going to be unable to make our show. And we all know that at the beginning of the show, Mike Orlando will be addressing the World Heavyweight Championship match uh, and the canceled match against Teddy Hart. I can't wait. Uh, I know Mike can't wait. I know Ben's a little upset because we didn't uh, we didn't book his favorite wrestler, Eddie McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, bastard! You so bastard! We called him. He wasn't available. He could have been BCW title match. You didn't book my boo. Sadly. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, it, it was something we were looking to do, but Eddie, Eddie, Eddie was not available. But um, I, I can tell you this much: uh, January is going to be huge for BCW when uh, when we come back. Uh, I can tell you that BCW is planning some incredible things for next year. Um, we're already looking forward to our anniversary show in March. Um, it's yep. tell you, it's it's going to be a really, really big deal um, for BCW moving into into 2018. And I'm and I'm, I'm proud, man. I'm, I'm proud to, to be yeah. a part of it. And, and, you know, I got to ask you guys. I got to ask you guys a question. All right. Of all the matches that I just listed, what are you most looking forward to on Friday? Ace and Alvin, baby. That's my – Ace is my man. Ace, he's the ace that runs the place, and I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him wrestle in a little bit. It's been a minute since I've seen an Ace Andrews match, so I'm excited. To see my buddy, a man I really respect, tear it up. Also, tied for that spot is the Fatal Five-Way uh, match with my boy Smiley in it, which those two are two of my favorites right there, so I'm looking forward to any match those guys are in. Ace and Smiley, my boys. Oh, yeah, Mike's not a fan of Smiley. Mike's not a fan of Smiley. <laughs> okay, Mike, now tell me your favorite matches in this, this con. I will say Ethan Alvin as well. Um, I'm actually I'm very interested to see what happens with Papa Don and Bull. That one, I, oh Jesus, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. That's gonna be a barn burner, man. Those two guys, yeah. those two guys, they they can throw down, man. That's an that's a that's a workhorse match. That's gonna be interesting. Mm, that's gonna be good. Pete, I forgot to mention something though that I'm looking forward to. Because it's kind of scaring me because he just looks to take out anybody. What the hell is Joe Gacy doing at our show? I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I'm about as scared scared as you. He took out Larry Legend, so I don't think we're we're safe. (laughs) I've, listen, okay, I've, I barely survived. I mean, my, my jaw still clicks, right? My jaw still clicks. Oh, yeah, you got a Yakuza kick. And Jack Gallo took you out of the Fibro show. (laughs) I've gotten Yakuza by... By Darius Carter, yeah. I've gotten I've gotten attacked countless times. I've been laughed at by AJ Pan. The uh, the Pan Corp agency has threatened. Yeah, me they just shot a promo on us. I don't get what, what they're doing, but okay. You know, backstage, um, I I am severely scared for my life. 
uh, with Joe Gacy being in the building, I know the next night he has a huge CZW uh, title match. So I know that that's going to be on his mind as well. And so I'm very scared to what the mindset of Joe Gacy is going to be coming into the Elks Lodge on on Friday. I'm I'm legitimately I, I'm scared witless. And and that is that is a very scary thing. I'm just gonna tell you right now, Ray, um run. Thanks, Pete. I'm at a little desk in the corner of the Elks Lodge, and I'm going to run. Couldn't agree more. Listen, and and piece of advice for Sarantino and Falbo, guys, use this for the rest of your life, right? Um, You don't have to be the fastest guy in the room. You just have to be faster than the slowest guy. I hear that. (laughs) Is that a fat joke? Right. (laughs) So... (laughs) And uh, and if you're not faster than the slowest guy in the room... The person in front of you. <laughs> yep. Ray, Ray, you're lucky. You, you're, you're by the door. Uh, yeah, you are. I'm locking it. I'm locking everyone in. You bastard. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to every match on the card, but I honestly have to say that Ugly Ducklings Adrenaline Express match has really got my attention. Uh, the Ducklings have had two fantastic matches in BCW since yeah. debuting. Um, they've also had some two fantastic matches for Battle Club Pro. Uh, they've they've made four appearances on the uh, uh, in in the New York area, uh, New York New Jersey area I should say, Battle Club Pro, and 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 BCW. Um, they've had great matches every single time. In my opinion, they're four for four. They may not have four wins, but they are four for four in fantastic matches. Adrenaline Express, the team of EJ Risk and VSK. I made a comparison earlier to the Juicy Product coming back together after such a long layoff. EJ Risk was on the shelf for well over a couple of years with that with his neck with his neck injury, and and many thought he would never step foot into a ring again. But when him and VSK got back together and reformed Adrenaline Express, let me tell you something: the first time I saw them back in the ring, were they a little rusty? Yeah, but you could almost see you could see that oil gliding across those gears, and it was like they never left each other's side. And so they have fought. I have seen them fight the addiction, Kazarian and Daniels. I have seen them fight fight the team of Nice and Jigsaw. I have seen them fight the Young Bucks and defeat the Young Bucks. I am very, very interested to see how they're going to approach this match against the Ugly Ducklings on Friday. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a great tag team. It's going to be, in the words of Larry Legend, a tag team extravaganza. I got to say, looking down at all the matches, though, mine has to be beat DeMazzo at that's a match I'm looking forward to just because both are veterans again DeMazzo coming back that's one I encourage everyone if there's no other match you're looking at for the card look at that one because that's going to be a match you're going to want to see be there because DeMazzo has always said he's a cold-hearted player he's not going to let anything back but then as has AJ Pan so that's one that's like and as is the number one contender for the heavyweight championship, so how does that play the thing? Other other question that I have is with Danny mm. DeMonte. If if Danny DeMonte defeats Azriel, what does that say about Azriel's standing as the number one contender? Um, Falbo, I gotta ask you, man. Do you have like some hot take music, some breaking news music? Because I want to give. Listen, you guys have been so great. I love you guys, both personally and professionally. I love being on the show tonight. I want to give you guys some breaking news. So let me see if I can do this for you. Here we go. This seems like it'll work. 
It's now time for Breaking News with Peter Rosado. Oh, that's, that's just fantastic. That needs to be a regular segment. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and I'm going to break it here on, on the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. It is my pleasure to announce that moving forward, BCW will not only be viewable on Fight TV, right? We will be also uh, stream, uh, streaming online on Fame Watch. Uh, and all of those details will be put online. You'll be able to access our shows, even if you are not in New York, for a small monetary fee, and be able to stream our shows live online. So if you can't make it to Yelks Lodge, if you're in Cincinnati, Ohio, okay, if you're in Kyoto, Japan, if you're in you know Montreal, Quebec, Canada, wherever you are, you can go on Fame Watch and watch our show live on there. And I, with all those details, will be on the BCW. Three combination wrestling pages, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. But we will also be uploading all of our former shows, along with both English and Spanish commentary, to Fight TV. So stay tuned for that as well. So guys, oh, wait, Spanish commentary, Ben, Mike. I think a friend of mine wants to introduce himself to, to our friend Pete now. Oh boy, he wants to grab the mic. Hold on, this give me a sec. Hang Pete, on. you gonna like this guy. Oh, God. Yeah, I knew this one was gonna go. be. Bring him in. Hola, señor Mike. Hola, señor Ben. Wait. Who are you, señor? Oh, God. I don't like your glasses, señor. Who are you? (laughs) Why are you in in our our studio right now? Who are you? Tell me Uh, your name. I am a registered Democrat, but this may be the first time in the world I'm wondering where's Donald Trump when I need him. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Oh, oh Lord. Those, <laughs> <laughs> you come to my show. This is my, this is Pepe's show. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Would this become your show? This ain't your show. Shut up, Senor Mike. Oh. I'm handling this. I kind of feel, hey, hey, Mike Falbo, I kind of feel like you guys are the, the Michael K and Don LaGreca of this, and uh, Pepe here is more like the, uh, the the light version of Peter Rosenberg. Oh, oh fuck you, senor. <laughs> I'm done with this bullshit. I'll come back later when you leave. <laughs> fuck you, yeah, Trump supporter. If I'm going to talk to Pepe, fuck there's you. only one way. There's only one way I can talk to Pepe. Uh, Mike, me and you were talking about this earlier. If I'm going to address Pepe, there's only one way I can do it. Bring it, senor. Okay. Oh, you want to talk to me, Pepe? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Right. Again, what is your name, senor? You still haven't told me. You want this my is disrespectful. Name? Okay. My name is Tony Montana. Oh, boy. And I got those contracts everywhere. Oh, boy. Ben, help me. Wait, Tony Montana. Wait, can I buy some coke? Mike, there's only one way that we can escape this utter madness. It is time to go to commercial. No, don't come here.
Hey guys, Avenging Ben here, popping in to tell you that if you want to listen to all the previous episodes of the General Admission Wrestling Podcast Season 1, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Podtastic. All of the previous 40 plus episodes are available anytime for free for your downloading pleasure. Also, if you want to follow us on all that good old social media, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at the GAWP Show, and you can follow us on the Facebook machine at the general admission wrestling podcast also if you want to get more of our video content and exclusive videos that will not be going up on our facebook or our itunes in audio form you can follow us at our youtube page at the general admission wrestling podcast we have interviews we have exclusive episodes we have all sorts of great content for you so do check out our youtube our social media and do subscribe to all of that great audio content once again you can find all of the audio content on itunes stitch radio TuneIn radio and podtastic Once again, guys, leave a little review, leave a five-star rating. Maybe you can push us up to the top of those subscriber counts. Maybe we can get some good publicity for us. Who knows? Once again, thank you guys for supporting the show, and it goes a long way. So now, let's get back into it with more of the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. And we are back with more of the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. We're still here with our guest, the voice of a generation, Peter Rosado. And, of course, we're going to get into all that weird and wild wrestling news. Kicking it off with, of course, the biggest story this week. If you didn't catch the last New Japan Pro Wrestling show, Kenny Omega post-match was interrupted by his new challenger, which came in the form of Chris Jericho, who has announced that he will be facing Mr. Omega for his United States Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. So, guys... This is probably the biggest news coming out of this week, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So, Peter, you're our guest. I'm going to start with you. What did you? Th- what was your reaction when you first saw that Jericho was popping up in New Japan Pro Wrestling? You mean after I changed my underwear? Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that was that was my reaction. I mean, it was incredible. Listen, Chris Jericho for 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 the better part of what the last ten years has been a master at really being able to work the audience and work the pro wrestling fans in a way that most people think can't be done anymore because of the internet. I don't think anyone expected Chris Jericho to pop up in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't think anybody expected for this match to actually happen. Uh, Kudos to Kenny Omega, kudos to Chris Jericho, kudos to New Japan for keeping it under such tight lip. Um, if the rumors are to be believed, this has been in the works since the midsummer. Um, if I wasn't going to tune into Wrestle Kingdom 12, I am now simply for this match. Uh, but I am interested to see whether or not Jericho can legitimately hang with Omega. I mean, Jericho is no spring chicken. Okay. And Jericho did not exactly look to be in the best of shape in his last WWE run. Um, Maybe having between now and December to get in that kind of shape will be helpful, but I kind of do wish this was a match that I could put Chris Jericho on a time machine and give him, you know, give him another, you know, age him back about five, ten years and get that Jericho versus Omega. I think this is one of those matches that for Jericho is maybe five, ten years too late, but I still think he's going to be a five-star match. I can dig it. Now, Mike, what about you? What did you think of this big announcement as someone who's a big fan of Jericho, is a fan of Omega? What did you think? 
there was it's funny too because I believe it broke on like did it break on Saturday morning when this uh, they announced it? Yep, Saturday morning. So like I wake up, I'm about to go to work, and all of a sudden I see Jericho challenges Kenny Omega. I'm like, is this, is this kayfabe news? <laughs> and I look, it's actually real. It's like, wait, it's actually happening. And then like I go to work, and I just read the stories. And I'm like, holy shit, this is actually happening. So. And if I'm right, Dave Meltzer also reported Chris Jericho doesn't have a contract right now for WWE, so he is technically allowed to do this. And you got to know, Jericho probably told Vincent, Vince McMahon ahead of this, was like, listen, I'm doing this. I want I want you to know now, that way when this does happen, you're not like hit like with a, you're not hit like a fucking car. Basically, like, I, I'm doing this, but I'm still WWE, and like you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. I got gotcha. you. Like, like he's not like turning his back on Vince. He's a WWE guy through and through. But if if they were gonna do this match, I would have thought this would have happened on that cruise next year that Jericho's doing. That's where I thought this would be. But Wrestle Kingdom 12 is even better for the company, and I would say it helps Kenny too, because this helps him legitimize himself as a like a like a true superstar. Yeah, I think that's where. So, piggyback on that, Mike, I think that's where most people thought. They were thinking, okay, they're going to do this storyline. I also, I thought it was going to end up in a match, but I thought at the cruise. Everything was leading to, okay, he announced Marty Scurll for the cruise. He announced the Young Bucks for the cruise. Maybe that's where Ken is leading to. It's going to be like, okay, Jericho, I'm going to be at your cruise next year. And I want a match because it's going to be featuring Ring of Honor and New Japan guys. So I'm thinking, okay, that works. But that also has to make you think maybe Kenny's not going to be around in the Indies around that time next year. His contact's up in January, I believe. So this could be Kenny's last hurrah, and it's against the the Lionheart, Chris Jericho, because that's let's bring that gimmick back when Jericho's on the Indies as Lionheart, Corazon de Leon in Mexico. Oh, that's a throwback for you fans that got that reference. Please comment that below. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Leveraging your Spanish for the fans. How dare you? Pete, I'll bring back Pepe. No. <laughs> you, okay. you, fuck, you fucking mark. I, I, you, I, I, first off, Ray, I, I want to kind of stop your, your gravy train for a moment. Uh, not on purpose, but um, I don't, I don't want to get... Let's not let the thought be the father of the idea, right? Um, I honestly don't think Kenny's going anywhere. I'm with Peter on this. He's saying nor should he, nor should he leave. I think Kenny has a really thick, good thing going with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I honestly think Kenny is one guy. Here's the thing: with the state of the WWE right now, Cena's still there. Roman Reigns is 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 apparently the heir apparent. In my opinion, right. Braun Strowman has picked up a lot of steam to be a, a great. Uh, top title contender for a long time to come. Guys like Jinder Mahal are still young. AJ Styles probably still has a couple of years. Kevin Owens has a long time going. You know, there are a lot of guys. And then let's not talk about who's in the NXT system. Guys like Tommy End, or Alistair Black, and, and, and Adam Cole, and these guys who can come up to the main roster. Samoa Joe, things like that. These are guys. There is a backlog of talent. At the WWE. And what does every indie fan say? Oh, I wish this guy would leave. I wish this guy would leave. I wish this guy would leave. Because they're not getting their shine in the WWE. 
at the end of the day, the WWE has their slot of guys. They know who they want in certain spots. And unfortunately, some of our guys are either not going to get those spots or they're not going to get them for as long as we want them to. Like a Finn Balor still hasn't gotten his Universal Championship rematch. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody's like, oh, I want Balor to be Universal Champion. You know, I want Owens with a title. First off, there's not enough championships to go around, right? Of course, yeah. And, and secondly, you know, we already bitch and complain that a lot of our favorites are not being used correctly. You really think Omega is going to jump to the front of the line if Reigns oh, and Strowman no, no. are still there? Kenny, if you put Kenny Omega... If you put Kenny Omega in the WWE at the at it is right now, he can get lost in the shuffle that fast. Right now, that's the case. Of course, that's going to be the case for a lot of indie guys. He can't go to NXT. Yeah, definitely not. Because then people are going to complain about that as well. Like he's too good to be. Complain no matter what spot he's in. That's the thing, though. We have to look at it as this: the prime time for Kenny to go. Though, what else can Kenny do in Japan? He's already had the great feud for the world title. He's held the. IWGP Intercontinental, the light He can be the world champion in Japan. Does he need it, though? He's it's elevated about, every other title of, for that world title. It's not a matter of needing it. Here's the thing. What is he going to do in the WWE? Being the Intercontinental Champion? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's he a world heavyweight champion on what will always be considered the Smack, uh, the B show in SmackDown. Listen, I love Kenny Omega. I've watched Kenny Omega from when he was still working Jersey All Pro Wrestling in New Jersey. When he was still, I was there when Kenny Omega was not yet what Kenny Omega is now, right? Kenny Omega is the biggest star in professional wrestling right now. If Kenny Omega went to the WWE, no matter what, they could give Kenny Omega every title in the WWE. We would still complain that he's not being used the right way. In New Japan, he's appreciated in such... Here's the thing. As a teacher, the only analogy I can make is this. If you're in a classroom where you have 35 students and one teacher, no matter how hard the teacher tries to give every student individual attention, some students are not going to get attention. Some students are going to get less than others. Not the teacher's fault that they don't want to. It's not that they don't want to, right? Mm -hmm. You get a class with 12 students, 15 students in the class. Every student's going to be able to be serviced. Every student's going to be able to be get attention from that teacher. They're going to be able to get individual attention, right? The WWE is like, is like a business or one of those places that you walk in and it's trying to serve. You ever walk into a store... You ever walk into a retail store, you ever walk into like a bank or something like that, and there's like 200 people in there and like one register? Yep. Yeah. Dude, that's and my life. WWE, that's the WWE right now. They yeah. burn those stores to the ground. There, and there's only one person working the register. And no yeah. matter how good or how little items you have or how good you are in the WWE, the WWE can only get through guys and cycle guys. As, as, as fast as they can, right? In New Japan, there is a smaller crop of guys and there's a bigger, there's more attention paid to guys in New Japan. And as Kenny Omega has shown, as Tremperetta is showing, there is a way to legitimately move up the card in Japan. You're not pigeonholed 
into one spot for the rest of your career. Yeah, of course. But that's a different system, though. I get it. I'm just saying, looking at it on terms of what else is there to do. And also, Japan is always going to be that different monster because Japan is a different art form in wrestling. I'm just saying I would think that's the best picture for Kenny to leave now. But again, the big picture is Kenny's going to do another five-star match with Jericho. So that's going to show people that, yes, the E doesn't have to be the end goal. Kenny could do great in Japan. Let's see how that puts on as well. But you know what my biggest problem with this match is? What? Unless New Japan shocks the world, I think we all already know who's going to win. My right. my personal feeling on the matter is that they, Jericho has a deep amount of respect for what they're doing over there, and I feel he's coming in. He's basically going to be what Styles and Nakamura was last year. This is going to be the big, you have to see this match, and it's going to get eyes on the product from a general audience, people who haven't seen New Japan Pro Wrestling yet. Honestly... Jericho, I don't think he's going to win, although if he does, imagine if Jericho showed up the next week on SmackDown with to confront Kevin Owens with his new New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Championship. It'll never happen. But God, could you just imagine it? The world would literally implode in on itself if that right, happened. That, 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 that's fantasy booking right there. By that, the way, that is, and remember. you know what? I don't blame Ben for that because I'd want it to happen too, right? I, I don't think there'd be anything greater than that happening. Like, that would shock the world. And I'll be very honest with you. The WWE has been very, very, very light on shocking surprises that really throw you for a loop. I was, I was shocked last night on SmackDown. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry. Well, we're um, going to get into that next. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, you know, uh, I was shocked last night legitimately, right? Like, I was shocked that that the AJ Styles won the World Heavyweight Championship off of um, Jinder Mahal. I did not see that coming, especially with as heavy production value as WWE has put on Mahal fighting Brock Lesnar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was legitimately shocked at, uh, I think... The last thing I was legitimately shocked at was maybe I wasn't even shocked at the Hardys. I was. We all knew it was happening, right? But I'll give you this much: I was shocked when the Hardys walked into Ring of Honor and they actually defeated the Young Bucks for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. Me and me, me and Ben, me and Ben were there for that. We were there right? live, man. And that, that was. I was supposed to be there thing. for that. And I think <laughs> I think this is where Ben. I think maybe, uh, uh, I think it was Mike, you said it. I think it's maybe where the cruise does come into play. Maybe this, is a one, this isn't a one-off. I think yeah, the only way... Uh, depends on what happens at Wrestle Kingdom. I believe there is going to be a rematch. Well, I that think, did, here's the thing. If Jericho, the, I think the only way Jericho beats Omega at Wrestle Kingdom is if the rematch is already planned for the cruise. I don't want to sound like a mark on this. Maybe. What if the rematch isn't at the cruise? They go for the bigger stage. What about Mania? No, I think the thing is, if they do it at Mania, Vince is not going to put over an outsider. They don't. They don't have to, because that's the thing. This could be the biggest way to say we do the third one more on a different turn. 
doing this, Wrestle Kingdom selling you know? it, Mania selling this kind of match. This gives people what they want. They want Omega at least once in the year. He doesn't have to well, stay. But well, where do you match. do the third? The cruise. I, I, that's, if, if I could be the cruise. Race. That would be Ring of Honor. If we're that, that's the problem. Logic, that's Vince the doesn't cruise. play well with others. I can see exactly. Vince, I can see Vince wanting to work with. Listen, I can see Vince biting the bullet and saying, "I'll come. I'll work with New Japan because you're on the other side of the world and you really don't bother me, right?" But I don't think that Vince McMahon is ever going to work with a local domestic company. So you're not going to see Vince McMahon work with Ring of Honor. You're not going to see him work with Impact Wrestling. You're not going to see him work with a local domestic company and give them money. No, but that's the thing. He wouldn't have to work. The third can happen whenever that'll be on their time. The second is the is the match that I'm talking about. The second is what Vince would be under his production. That they don't ha- they really never had to know that Here's my question. That would be a big stage, though. That would I'm be a good match to have on that. Stage, but do you think Vince is going to let Omega Jericho overshadow anything he's going to do at Mania? If Vince didn't even have, if Vince wouldn't even let Sting go over Triple H at Mania, if Vince has been known to bury WCW talent 20 years later at the expense of WWE talent because he can't, he will not allow a WCW talent to look superior to a WWE talent, do you really think he's going to let a match with Kenny Omega, who will be signed to a New Japan Pro Wrestling contract and not a WWE contract, do you really think he will let that match overshadow anything else that he does at Mania? Over Brock and Roman? Ah, God. See, there you go. That's why I would love that match on that card, because you just said it. Brock and Roman. Right. With the complacent card, that would be something to sell the card. Right. Look what they're fan. doing now. It's the power. It's a power match. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's again, a, it's a fan. It's a fan fantasy book match. I'm just saying yeah. it would be good that that way to do something for the series. Have it on because that's some big thing that everyone's speculating. How is Vince allowing this? Because this is going to outdraw anything they could do at Mania. But, but Vince is not allowing this. Chris Jericho is a free agent. He isn't signed to a deal. Right. He Rather, is what John Cena truly isn't. Right, except that Cena is under a contract and he can't do anything else. But the thing is, the IWGP US title is on the line, right? Yep. That, have they announced that? I know it it's is. just Omega Okada. I mean, Okada, uh, fucking Omega versus Jericho. It's for the title. The title's on the line. I haven't heard it's f- It's for the belt? Yes. So that really does make it Omega a win. Right, it. that's the thing. If, if, this is not, if this is not for the championship, I think it makes the intrigue for the match even better. If it's for the title, then my brain is going to go to the Omega. only way Jericho wins is if there is a second match already in in the works. Yep. Like I, I love how we're all saying that like one of them's going to win. What they could do is they could go to a, like a sixty minute draw. Do you think Chris Jericho can wrestle for sixty minutes anymore? I'm I'm just saying, New Japan might. No. If, if they're building up to an agreement at the cruise, that's probably what they're trying to do. I have all the respect. I have all the respect in the world for Chris Jericho, and if Jericho ends up getting my number and cursing me out tomorrow, I will completely respect it. I Shiny Wizards, give Jericho his number. I do you not have believe it. in 2017. I'm sorry, Chris Jericho. You're one of my favorites in all, all time in wrestling. I've been a fan of yours since the very beginning, since you had the original list in WCW. 
Armbar. Armbar. Hold number 266. Armbar. Armbar. Um, I've been a fan of Jericho his entire career. I don't think he can go 60 minutes and look good. That's my, That's not even for 60. Not, sorry to cut you off, Pete. He could go 30. Is this match going to be a five-star match? Because I don't want to offend Jericho because, again, we're all fans of Jericho. Can he put on the classics that Kenny's been doing nowadays? Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember when? Do you guys remember when Shawn Michaels came back to the ring in like 2002, and people had our doubts that he could still go? And yeah. the match against Triple H at, at SummerSlam. Yeah, and he was fun. Those matches were fucking amazing. I feel like we're all starting to have those doubts with Jericho because when you're on the road with WWE, you have a lot of less time to go to the gym to get into peak condition. Jericho seemed kind of was like thrown back in there. Now that he's had this downtime and he has time to get focused, he doesn't have to worry about like a convention to go to or a photo op. Or he just has to like worry that. about concerts. He just has to worry about he concerts. He hasn't had time off. That's the thing. I get where you're going with this, but Jericho is a guy that hasn't taken time off. He has positive. It's on the E. He has positive. See, so I feel like, like now he can spend the next month or so getting in ring shape for this match to make Omega and himself look as good as possible. DDP Yoga, baby. So on that note, like as if that didn't break the wrestling world enough this week, reality was bending in on itself. Uh, Triple H showed up in icy fucking W this week, so alongside Pete Dunne. So that was that was a weird sight. Mike, I know that you want that. Didn't shock me that much because yeah, that one was a little less surprising. Working relationship. So I was more shocked that at 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 Triple H doing that Shield cameo. Yeah. Same, man. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. I mean, uh, did we not? I'm see. Here's the thing. I get. Here's here's my big thing, and, and Ray knows this. Um, I'm a huge fan in wrestling for a little thing called continuity. Yep. Right, and I kind I, of feel I, like I, I have a problem with that. I over. I once I have a problem with something, I let it get to my brain so fucking Right. Bad. So it's like, um, the last time I saw Triple H and Seth Rollins... <laughs> he, was, he was getting killed by Seth at WrestleMania, and he hit his wife. Right, they were trying to kill each other. Right. Last time, listen, the last time Triple H was in a ring, Seth Rollins was knocking his wife through a table. Yep. And Seth beat him with his own move. Right, so why are you teaming with the Shield? Just for funsies. Right, I get that, and I and I understand that. But see, this is the age of social media. This is the age where Jimmy Jacobs gets fired for taking a selfie with the Bullet Club. Right, like this is the age of you shouldn't put that on the internet. You shouldn't team with the Shield if you know it's going to get put on the internet, and you know that the last time they saw you in a ring, anybody in the WWE. You were getting your ass beat by Seth Rollins. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, I can agree with that, Pete. I'm just saying, that with that, I get where you're going with that. The thing is, it would have been perfect if they left it as an house show gift. Just like, okay, for that crowd, you get this. Don't put it on the YouTube channel. The minute that happened, even they uploaded. Oh, look at Triple H with the shield. No. We're going to put 
about it. No matter what, people are going to record and upload well, it to Twitter and stuff. They literally did it. That's really what's killing it because it's like, wait, but Triple H is... Oh, God. Well, we got to the point where WWE is stupid, but this whole thing with Triple H... Triple H, Triple H going to ICW and sitting next to Pete Dunne and Mark Dallas, who's the owner of ICW, and Triple H name-dropping ICW progress. What does this mean for British wrestling? Because Triple H did say that something is coming uh, by next year, and it's supposed to be something really... British songs are going to get visas. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. They're going to get their visas. That's the thing. That didn't shock me. When I saw Triple H literally come out, I'm like, okay, so now they're going to legitify that they literally have a working relationship with Progress with the company of ICW. Because remember, half the guys from the UK division are still allowed to compete wherever they want in the UK. But I think now he's under contract now. I think he's under WWE contract. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work, ICW. The only thing is, now it's going to be picked dates. Literally, right, I think they have. I'm coming to get have you. Like that Young Bucks kind of deal that the Young Bucks signed with Ring of Honor, where they yeah. signed an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor as long as they can still work PWG. Yeah, it's but again and then again, it's still certain dates. Like you're not going to get Young Bucks every PWG show now. They're going to be those certain dates that you get them. It's like okay, Young Bucks here, Reseda, go. Mm. And it's like, it's always going to, that's going to be the working relationship. It's going to get, sadly, the gap is going to get closed. It's going to get starting to close down because they're going to want Pete Dunn, Tyler Bay, Trent Seven. They're going to want him in the E full time, eventually. Right. Do you think Triple so, H is going to start, do you think Triple H is going to start a British version of NXT soon for the network? With like, no. With, with British talent only? They tried it once, sadly. It's going to be just like we saw with Raw and SmackDown this week. Recording stuff Doesn't over work. there in the UK, it's not going to work because people are going to know what's happening and they're going to literally have to stream it at that moment because if not, everything will get poor. No, but that's fine. Like, if, like, say they stream it live, like, would it work? Would you want to watch uh, a UK division at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> Dude, it, it, it would be on the network. I would go back and watch it. But that's the thing. It kind of kills the purpose. You want to watch this with the supposed thing of this is a new product, this is live, this is happening now. So in the UK, it's kind of, it's that hit or miss. Because the thing is, I've watched ICW shows and there's a lot of cursing on there. I believe all of us have been to Progress. We've seen what their project is like. There's a lot of cursing too. If they put those shows on the network, there's going to be a lot of bleeping. It's still an independent. Remember that they're still independent at an indie show. They always, it's always, it's it's family friendly, but it's still, it's an indie show. There's no holds bar. You know, what are your thoughts, Pete? What do you what do you think about this? Could they do the last time? The last time the WWE had an, I guess, open working relationship with the company. The WWE. Got two cold Scorpio from ECW, turned him into Flash Funk, oh, God, and used him that. on WWE television. While the WWE sent a couple of guys who needed some work, Brackus, Brackus, and a couple of other guys <laughs> down down to ECW to get some seasoning and some work. Yeah, I think 
if we really wanted to, and, and I got to applaud Triple H. I think Triple H has done, for, for a guy who spent his entire wrestling career with people thinking he had a shovel and trying to bury everybody. He kind of did. I think, I think Triple H has been the one man who has had like the golden touch as an executive. Everything he touches seems to turn, seems to, turn to gold. Right, yes. he brought the warrior back to WWE. He brought, you know, Bruno back to WWE. He's getting this relationship with everybody, um, and I think NXT, obviously, I think in anybody else's hands would not be what it is right now. What we could see, possibility, some of the top talent from Progress, some of the top talent from ICW coming over to the WWE. And guys from the WWE performing for Progress and ICW, possibly. Yeah, because um, that's what we've been seeing now. So I'm hoping it opens up. You so know, do you think? Do you even think, like Mike said, could there be a show like that though for the? <sighs> Here's my thing. I think again, you you can't change what Progress is. You can't change what ICW is. They are what they are right. because of what they were. Right. right. Um. You can't WWEize these companies because then you're going to lose their identity. Especially not progress. Um, Especially not progress. Like they, what makes progress work is something incredibly specific. It's the fact that it's so free and able to do whatever it wants. You can't like put them in the WWE vacuum like WWE did to ECW back in like '06. You can't do that. Right. Right. And I think. Mike has a point where if you put it on the network, it's going to require a lot of bleeping, and you can't WWE eyes it. I think if they did have shows like that on the network, you would have people who would tune in live, and you would have people who would tune in afterwards. And I think we're we're, we're moving to a digital world where content is twenty four seven, right? Which is why I do think there will be a WrestleMania outside of the United States one day. Um. I think there will be a mania in England. I do I do think there will be a mania in these places because I think what will happen is the WWE will stream it live and I guarantee you there will be pe- there are people up at 3 in the morning to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Right? There are yeah. going to be people who are going to be up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, who are going to stay home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to watch a mania from London. Mm, They're yeah. going to do it. But that's the thing. I think WWE's even planning that already. Because Mania has started earlier every year. So I think they're like, let's see how many viewers we're getting at this time. My Maybe we can't do is, Again, I don't know what's going on with these guys. What's, I would love to see more of Pete Dunne. I'd love to see more yeah. of Trent Seven. I'd love to see more of these British guys. Like These guys, I feel like... Uh, and there, and we brought this up in like a pre-tape conversation, gentlemen. I think they're almost contracts for the sake of contracts. Yep. Um, yeah. What are you doing with these men? Yeah, Pete Dunne walks around with the with the with, with the UK championship, but he's really still only wrestling in the UK, and you know he wrestles here and there on the WWE. Um, I want to see more of them. I want to see them right. realize, and right. I want to see them actually put at, put out there as top talent. Um, and and right now, I don't know if the WWE has the opportunity to do that and to respect them the same way that these promotions in Europe are respecting them. Right, mm, and, 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 and it sucks, and it doesn't work when you only see these guys like maybe three times a year yeah. in a span of like three months each. 
Right, and they do some incredible. Here's the thing, though. I gotta say this, man. Like, and and this kind of goes to like the NXT thing. Like, how many times have we said that NXT's takeovers have overshadowed the main roster pay per view the night all, all the time? Four out of five, right? I'd say like four out of five times of out of the year, like those shows overshadowed. Right, and I think every and, single SummerSlam happened again this year. Every single SummerSlam in New York. Takeover has been heads and tails better than SummerSlam. Certainly was this year. Oh, my God. But here's the funny thing. These guys are wrestling so different than what you're seeing on WWE television. Every time Tyler Bate does that fucking move where he hits the ropes and he fucking stops himself with his shoulder blades. Yes. Like, no one else on the roster does it. Who is doing that on WWE television? You're not seeing Roman Reigns or Dean Ambrose or one of those other guys doing right. it. And, and, here's, and, here's, and here's almost where I'm almost glad that these guys are not on the main roster, that these guys are not part of the everyday touring squad, because I kind of feel like these guys would be told to tone it down because they're going to overshadow everybody. Right, right. And also, it, like say you put them on regular TV and you put a microphone in their hands, you don't know what's coming out of their mouths. You could script whatever you want for them, but the way they could, because the the, group, uh, the UK guys were on 205 this week. I did catch this. They gave Tyler Bate the microphone, and he completely fucked up. He, he could fucked up like three times. He couldn't say one sentence. No, I don't even think it's not because what's going to come out of their mouths is basically like Pete said. They're going to tell them, oh, you can't do this. You have to do it our style. And that's sadly... Oh, I know, I know. It's going to kill them. It's going to not be genuine I anymore. I know, but with you doing that, that fucks them up. And that kind of ruins their confidence. Ben, what's right. yeah. all this? Listen, you can't script... You can't the script UK everything. Guys, okay? The UK guys benefit, much like a lot of people do, from having a lot of freedom. Let's face it, Progress, ICW... They kind of just put a microphone in those dudes' hands and let them do whatever they want. Tyler Bate is not a talker. He's a fighter. He can – he out of all the British strong style, he's the one who's on the mic the least. It's usually Trent Seven, who's a bit of a cocky douchebag, but that's his character. You have Pete Dunne, whose character is that he's a complete cunt. I mean it used to be they're, – they're turning him face in progress, but like that's basically them. Tyler Bate is not a wrestler who predicates himself on cutting a promo. His whole thing is that he – Beats you to death in the ring with your own leg. That's Tyler Bates' right. crux of his character. It's yeah, a lot of it's a lot of dudes on the indies. A lot of dudes on the indies, Shinsuke Nakamura, guys like that. They didn't have to talk because their wrestling did the talking for them. Hell, that was even kind of Shinsuke's thing in NXT. That's why, like, want to know why fucking Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne tore the house down at fucking NXT? Chicago this past uh, this past year, it's because that there wasn't a bajillion fucking promos leading into that freaking thing. It was just two dudes telling a story in the ring. Here, and especially on 205 Live, they're not going to give them that luxury of just telling a story with their physicality in the matches. They're just going to be like, okay, now cut a promo about why Enzo Amore's hair looks stupid and how he, look, how he looks like a chicken or something. I'm like, that's not really what they're there to do. That's why I think it'll be an issue if they shotgun these dudes up to Raw and SmackDown too soon because they're not ready mic-wise 
And then Vince will see that and be like, ah, oh, they're not talented. Don't do anything with them. <laughs> there you go. My other point is to this, send them to NXT for a year, maybe two. That Here's what I would do. Send, if you're going to send anybody up to the main roster immediately, I wouldn't. But it should be Pete Dunne. You send Mustache Mountain over to fucking NXT and you give them the, you give them the tag straps for like six months. And then you have one of them, maybe you have Trent Seven move up on his own. And you leave Tyler Bate there a little bit longer to get good at all the mic shit. You send them up one by one. Here's my thing, Falbo, and, and this is where I'm going to almost seem like a little bit hypocritical. I said earlier in, our, in, in your show that one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, right? Yep. And what are those two guys known for? They can cut one hell of a promo, right? Yep. Yes, yeah. Both of them Here, are Here's really the good funny promos. thing. I didn't care what they were saying in their promos, right? I, I kind of hate this thing. Right, and this is the WWE thing, where right. if you're if you're not good on the mic, they don't look at you as a guy who can make money. When did wrestling? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that a guy that can talk or a girl that can talk does give themselves an invaluable piece of the game that someone who doesn't talk can give them. But Brock Lesnar never a talker. Nope. Oh hell! Oh hell! No! When it came back in twenty thirteen, it, it, right. it proved itself. With or without, with or without Paul Heyman, he was still a monster. He told a story in the ring, and for me, when I'm looking at guys, when I'm looking at a Nakamura, when I'm looking at a Kevin Owens or a Pete Dunne, a Tyler Bate, a, 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 a Trent Seven, I don't care what they have to say. I want to see how good you are in the ring. And and I think NXT, I've always said this, NXT is an independent show with a WWE budget. Yep. Mm. It's PWG they, with air conditioning. They are... They, they, they care about what happens in the ring. Can you put on a stellar freaking match? Let the fans become emotionally invested in the match. because and, and, and at the end of the day, we don't need the promos. I don't need the endless promos. I don't need this. I don't need that. Okay? I want the wrestling. Okay? I don't... Listen, I look at Pete Dunne's face. I don't... He doesn't need to say anything. He looks like a guy who just wants to beat somebody's face in. Right? Tyler Bate... The, kid, the, the kid's going to be great when I see him in the ring. I don't care what he has to say. The guy could go on there, okay, and say, you know, nani nana, nana bobo. And it doesn't matter if he wrestles a five-star match. Right? And, and I think not everything has to have a story. Not everything has to have these promos. Tyler Bate and, and, and Trent Seven could just be two guys. Listen, William Regal was one of the few guys to come over from the British system and the British style of wrestling who became really good at cutting a promo. But he really didn't do it till the WWE. When he was in WCW, I mean, he wasn't the greatest promo in the world. Right? Yeah. Fit Finley was never the greatest promo in the world, but he was a great wrestler. Right? That's the thing. Words, words are needed, though. Right. This is the also a problem. That speak for. 
this brings us to another issue in wrestling, though. Where are the managers? Okay, mm-hmm. Undertaker didn't talk. He had Paul Bearer talk for him. Right? There are guys who can talk, like DiBiase, like Piper, like Savage, all these guys. Hell, Steamboat, in my opinion, was never a great promo. Nope. Ricky Steamboat, in my opinion, one of my top ten wrestlers of all time. Terrible promo guy. Really terrible. But one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I didn't care what he was saying. That man would go out there and put on a five-star match. Okay? Right. At the end of right. the day, you're going to have guys who can talk. You have guys who don't. Okay? Do I think everybody should at least try to talk? Yeah. I don't think everybody needs to talk. But get a manager. Get a manager. Nakamura doesn't need a manager. He also doesn't need to talk. Just let Nakamura go out there. I the problem with that is that WWE is a publicly traded company. And they want everybody to put a voice to a face. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. I think we, yeah, I think we've hit all the major. I think we've hit. You know what? You know what it is as well. I bet they're expecting how with the developmental now, expect. Hey, we want to teach you how to speak. Use it, but sadly, not everyone needs it though. The psychology of wrestling is there's those that can speak. There's those that can do it in the ring. Yes, there's those that are blessed that can do both, but it's not needed though. It's always. WWE wants everyone to be able to do everything. That's the thing. We need difference. Difference in wrestling is what keeps us intrigued. Not everyone has to be able to speak like Flair and wrestle like Malenko. They need to be able to do... They can do either or. Some could do both, but it's not needed because that's what keeps everyone genuine and different. 100% in agreement on that. So... A lot of changes happened with the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. Moving on to Survivor Series updates. We're going to keep these brief, but yeah. Because Raw and SmackDown sucked so much this week. <laughs> SmackDown is okay. Oh, God. You know, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. I, not for any lack of like writing quality or anything, because Raw and SmackDown, when they come out of the UK, they're always garbage because they're like pre-taped and stuff. But surprisingly... Two really big updates happened this week in the form of two big championship changes. Over on Raw, we have new tag team champions in the form of Sheamus no, and Cesaro. No, Ben, you're lying. Two championship changes? Like the E couldn't tell us minutes before the show. Yeah. Uh, that pissed me off. That the fact that WWE spoils. It's one thing when a, it's one that. thing when a Bleacher Report spoils the ending for a WWE Championship match that's pre-taped. It's another thing when WWE.com is doing it. <laughs> God, God damn I'm like, it. wait a second. No, the E's not literally telling me. Cautions, yeah. title change, sport. I'm like, why even say title change? Just say. Caution! Spoiler ahead. But the other big, what it is. The other big change coming out of this week is that the reign of the Maharaja, the Gender Nightmare, his Hallelujah. final Hallelujah is finally over. AJ Styles winning back the strap from Jinder Mahal on the latest episode of SmackDown Live. Six 
fucking months. Aww. So, but yeah, now I'm just mentally preparing myself for AJ, AJ to drop the strap back to him the next time they're in India. Well, well, let's look at the Survivor Series card as it is right now. Cesaro uh, and Sheamus beat Rollins and Ambrose, so they'll take their spots and face the Usos. The women's champion versus champion match stays the same. Um, but now the major, the, one of the key draws for this show... Now, don't laugh when I say this. It was going to be Lesnar in the hall. But now it's the battle between former IWGP heavyweight champions, Brock and AJ Styles. Let's hone in on this for a second. I saw some people online today, honest to Christ, say that this isn't a dream match. I'm like, are you nuts? Of course this is a dream match. It's Mr. TNA taking on... Anything, anything with Brock or AJ is a dream match. You put them against anybody on the roster, it's a dream match. Uh, you put in these two together that have never faced off before. Their pads have never crossed until now. Now, here's the thing, though. I am a little... I am. I do have some trepidation when it comes to dream matches and Brock recently because the last two times that we've had our hearts set on, like, uh, a Brock dream match with Joe, a Brock dream match with uh, Ambrose, a Brock dream match with Strowman... Uh, they've all kind of under-delivered in some way, so I'm kind of cautiously going into this. If this match can go for more than 10 minutes and AJ can kick out of an F5, uh, that's kind of my mark for this being a good match, because I feel like the thing they're trying to do this year is make the F5 back into a convincing finishing move, because for a while everybody was kicking out of the F5. But now, like, 1F5 ends the match, so that's what I'm getting myself psychologically ready for. Like, AJ's going to hit Brock with, like, six fucking trillion flying forearms and two styles clashes. And then, then Brock's going to nail him with 1F5, and that's going to be the match. That's my biggest fear. You know, what the funny, you know what the funny thing is? I'm not even worried about the match right now. I'm happy that they changed the title and they put it on AJ because... The WWE has done a shit job of convincing people to even pay or watch this pay-per-view. Yeah. If, if they were going to go into this pay-per-view with Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal, this might have been the worst like bought pay-per-view. Nobody would have. People would have not clicked on this on the network. People would not have paid for this pay-per-view if if if, if that's still available for them. People would be like, "Fuck this! Mahal sucks. Lesnar can't wrestle." But now you you put you you're basically bringing people back in, and it, and this is the second time in a row now they did this at TLC when Bray Wyatt got sick and they put AJ in there. People started to tune into TLC and also with Kurt Angle. You put those two on a pay per view, people are coming. They're coming back. But but Pete, what's your take? What is your take on the whole AJ beating the whole thing and the tag title situation? First off, don't hinder my gender. Ah. Um, gender, my balls sucks. Let's go. I no, no. Listen, I was, I was, I was a fan of, of gender as the champion. I, I, I was glad they did it on SmackDown and not Raw because I think SmackDown has a better creative team and they have a little bit more freedom with what they want to do. Um, I was not intrigued by Mahal Lesnar, but at least if 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 Lesnar's gonna go over strong again, I'd rather it be Mahal than than Styles. Cause I kind of, I think, 
I think Ben is right. I think what it's going to be, it's going to be a shitload of offense from AJ, and then Brock's going to catch him with something, and that's it. And I think it's a waste of AJ. I'd rather that happen to Mahal. I think Mahal is the body type and the type of offense, and, and he's the type of swarmy heel that if Lesnar beats him, it doesn't do anything to Mahal. Not that it does anything to AJ, but my question is, you make AJ your champion, and then you don't... Here's the thing. To me, the champion on SmackDown should be on equal footing with the champion from Raw. Yes. But it's never going to happen. No. Especially, especially since it's the WWE Championship. That's one. Title. Two, it's never going to happen with Lesnar. Here's the thing I've realized about Brock Lesnar and his run in the WWE, and this says something. Out of all of his past opponents, and I'm talking going back all the way to WrestleMania 31, who is the person who's given Brock Lesnar the biggest run for his money in championship matches? I'm not talking like outside of the Undertaker feud. Goldberg. Well, yeah, Goldberg, obviously. But you got to keep in mind, Goldberg is another anomaly. The only are you, saying, are you saying when he held the title? No, I'm talking. I'm talking like in terms of championship matches. The only person who ever really gave Brock Lesnar a run for his money was Roman Reigns, and there's an obvious reason for that. And Cena. Well, well, no, I say listen. I'd say Samoa Joe gave him a good fight. And I still, to this day, say Samoa Joe should have won that match. Oh, definitely. Right. Um, definitely. I think. In the five way, or what's the five way, the four way, where Strowman basically destroyed him? Yes. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That counts. But even that, to me, pissed me off. You had the guy carted off on a stretcher. Everybody and their mother destroyed him, and he comes back and wins the title. They've done that twice by this point. You got to remember, they did that like way back at like Royal Rumble, like two years ago. Remember, the bad one. <laughs> Well, no, that, that was a bad Royal Rumble. That, that, you know what? That triple threat match, Brock, Cena, Seth, that match, fucking amazing. Love that match. Yeah, that's, that's, right, that's, and that's, that's the problem. It's like, yeah. at the end of the day, Brock's not going to be able to sell that offense because you've already built Brock to be this unbeatable, unstoppable machine where it's like, he get, Brock is like Ivan Drago and nobody's made him bleed yet. Yep. Nobody's come along to. Nobody's come along to have. AJ's uh, gonna be that Rocky. That's like, but he's not because we already know. Here's the thing. There's not gonna be that moment. There's not gonna be that moment where fucking Paul Heyman is like nursing Drago in the corner and like and like fucking Brock is bleeding out of his mouth or something. He fucking looks at AJ and he says he's made of iron or something like that. Right. Like, listen. If if that happened, it'd be great. It would be. I honestly want. I honestly want there to be a freaking match. I don't care who it's against. It could be against Samoa. Like, here's the thing: you built this whole freaking thing about you know Brock Samoa Joe not being scared of Brock. You know, Brock actually being a little bit afraid of Samoa Joe. Why couldn't Brock win like a freaking heel and and Heyman help him? Right? Because at least then it would make me feel like Brock is vulnerable. But that's the problem. They have not in any way, shape, or form made Brock feel like there's a made it feel like there's a vulnerability 
about Brock Lesnar. And then when they have Roman Reigns beat him at WrestleMania so that they can crown Roman Reigns as their champion, as their big man, as the heir apparent to the top of WWE for the next 10 years, that's what people are going to shit on. Because you're basically going to tell me that the only vulnerability, the only vulnerability that Brock Lesnar has is two men who do a spear. Here's the funny thing to me. And also the over fifty. If you, if you also count the, uh, include the Undertaker. Here's the from funny the, thing from to me like about two years ago. Brock Lesnar. Here's the funny thing. It's kind of hard for somebody to book you to look vulnerable when you uh, when you're paid by the minute. And you're never there. Yeah. Here's the thing, Brock. Like when he. But loses- to be honest, I hate to cut you off, Ben Mike. I want to I want to touch on that point very very quickly. To me, that makes it easy to book him as vulnerable. Every time Brock comes back, he should be rusty. Yeah, and and you know what? I do I do kind of notice it too when he does come back. He doesn't look as big as he used to, but then when it comes like to the match, he it's all of a sudden like he just got like ten times bigger. Right, but he should he should be rusty. Gee, I wonder. Gee, guys, I wonder what he could be doing off camera that makes him look bigger. There's a a needle sticking out of his ass (laughs) when he walks to the ring. You know, but imagine imagine every opponent. Listen, imagine. Think of this storyline for a minute, guys. Lesnar still Lesnar stays the champion. He's still going to be the champion. He still wins all these matches against all these people he's fought. Strowman. uh, Lesnar, I know Lesnar, uh, uh, Samoa Joe, he beats AJ Styles, all these guys. Yeah. But in every single one of these matches, he's getting his ass handed to him because it's the first time he's wrestling in three or four months. So every time he walks into that ring, he walks in there like big shit. He walks in there like big Billy Badass. And all of a sudden, that old Cena adage comes in. I'm here day in and day out. You're not. Mm. So I the match makes it look like the other guy's mm. got his number. And every single time, it shouldn't be an F5. It shouldn't be some kind of dominant finish. It should be some kind of shit finish where Lesnar gets lucky. Lesnar mm. gets this. Lesnar gets that. Really like he, put like he walks on Like he walks on the Kimura at the last minute and, and gets right, the Right, really out. put some heat on Lesnar. Make it yeah. look like every single one of these guys legitimately could have beat Lesnar. That's how you book this guy. Because then when he loses to Roman Reigns, people are actually happy that he loses to Roman Reigns. And it makes sense. Because guess what? Roman Reigns was the one guy who was finally able to take advantage where all these other guys couldn't. But it was Lesnar's fault for taking all that time off between title appearances. Also, they could play on his age, too. Because he's not getting younger. He's getting older. And they could play it off as this is not the young this is not the young twenty two year old who was dominating Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, and The Rock from two thousand two. Yeah, it's twenty seventeen. He's he's fought his ass off in the UFC. Then he comes back to WWE, has a dominant few years, and now he's starting to like slow down a little bit. He's not as aggressive as he used to. Like they could also play that off, but I really think. It's going to be a while until we see something like that, until maybe, yeah. until the Mania match with Roman. The WWE has always had a very, has always had a very bad, they've always been very bad at booking their champion, their, their WWE champion with any kind of weakness. They don't mm. like Because that's the thing, they never want their, 
they never want to have the center stage be weak. So their Listen, mentality every, is that's Yankees, every company. The though. Yankees, no one. No, that's the, the usual thing. From '96 to 2000, even at the height of their dynasty, they lost a couple of games. They didn't go 162 and 0. Right? They had weaknesses. They had things that people could exploit to beat them. Even during the height of their championship run in the mid-90s, the, the Chicago Bulls had weaknesses. There were ways that other teams could exploit them to defeat them. And any powerhouse, anybody in the world, in any scenario, there are weaknesses, okay? And in you you can be a... you If you really want your champion to be human and not a robot, you can still book weakness and book vulnerability and the guy still be on the top. I completely agree, sir. And that pretty much does it for the Survivor Series card discussion. That was a really great talk. But now it's time to start bringing it to a close. But we have time for one more thing. And I'm going to let the law take this one since he was the only one who watched. No, you forgot one piece of wrestling news, Ben. I did. This broke tonight. Madison Rain is returning to Ring of Honor to compete for Women of Honor. Ooh. Get out of here. Nope, she will be facing Deanna Peraza. Oh, okay, who cares? Shit. Damn it, Mike. You and everything that has to do with TNA, you just hate. Speaking of which, the law was the only one out of this group, I don't know about you, Peter, who watched uh, Impact's Bound for Glory pay-per-view, which emanated from Canada this past weekend. I turned it off when I saw the 13-year-old referee. And because the mere mention of T and because the mere mention of TNA impact sends Michael into a violent conniption, we're gonna give Ray only let's clock it here five minutes to give his thoughts on Go impact. Ray. So you can five start five minutes for ten matches. Okay, let's so go. start the clock <laughs> now. Okay. So opening contest. Shut up, Pete. Literally start like BCW's book, and we, there was a cruiserweight match. Cruiserweight five-way scramble. It was Trevor Lee, Desmond Xavier, Garza Jr., Matt Seidel, Petey Williams, and Sanjay Dutt. Who was recently signed? That's who won. <laughs> uh, I wish that was the booking, but no. They give it to Trevor Lee, not Petey Williams, in his own fucking home country of Canada. Trevor Lee. This is the match no, that Trevor kind Lee's of... Fine. Trevor Lee's gone. No, you should have given to Petey, but okay. No. Trevor Lee goes over after Petey literally hitting the Canadian Destroyer and it finally got a pinfall. He got something that he finally wanted. Petey's been booked as he wants to get the Canadian Destroyer to be a finisher again. Just like That's Super number two. Everyone hits it. Fuck you guys. Okay. Next match. Uh, Ishimori versus Tyson Dukes. For those that know Tyson Dukes, he was the guy that... Wait, what Sushi? Ishimori. Can't pronounce Sushi. Sushi. Sushi, sushi, sushi. Nobody cares. Match three. Match three. I'm not going to explain what the fuck happened. No, match three. Match three. Everybody who's listening to this right now just went, who and who? Uh, Tyson Dukes is a good Canadian wrestler, though. Smash wrestling. Fucking watch that. Uh, Ishimori goes over the whole time, though. They're not even paying attention because I can't remember the fucking name. No, I can't remember her name, though. The fucking girl that's dating Zack Ryder. She was drunk and... Chelsea Grant. Chelsea Grant. Thank you. She was, at, she was just roaming Is around... It's sad I only know that because she's dating Zack Ryder. <laughs> I had to mention it like that. 
So that's how that, fucked up it is. That's her glory. That's that's how she's famous. Ray, you have three <laughs> minutes. Hurry up. Think of Zack Ryder. Let's take this to something more people uh, are, are familiar with. Hold on, hold on. Before that, let's... Can I fucking finish the pay-per-view? Ray, you got two minutes and 45 seconds. Go. Better go for it. Fuck you, Pete. Uh, and both of you guys. Fuck you guys. I, I hope okay. you win this one. Grado and Abyss had a horrible hardcore match. Next match. No, I'm still talking about it. Okay. So the whole storyline is if Grado loses, two minutes, 30 seconds. leave the U.S., no, they're in Canada. Woo, okay. So, Abyss defeats Grado after Royal Venice, Rosemary, basically anyone that could be interfered in this match. One person was missing, though. It was a, it was a horrible, horrible hardcore match. Grado doesn't know how to work. Go. Funniest thing, though, Mick Foley tweets about this match out of everything of the night. Okay. Between these segments, we get Alberto and Patron shows up. Booze. He talks about Impact screwing him. They cut off the mic. This is supposed to be a shoot promo. I still hate the guy. So let's turn him. the page on that. Okay. Team Impact versus Team Triple A. So oh, we who, have... who, who, who even gives a flying fuck? Team Mike Impact you, wins Trump because they're Team Impact. Moving on. Basically. Thank you. Next one. OVE. 90 seconds. Ohio versus everything. Fuck you, Ben. I'm not going on a time limit. <laughs> this is my show, too. Okay, so OVE takes on LAX, a.k.a. EYFBO, Drastic, Ortiz, Here's Ortiz, all you need to know. Ca- Callahan shows up, helps his buddies helps his buddies win. Greatest thing of that match. I actually watched this match in its completion. Greatest Thank thing you. of that match. The New Jack bump. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mike Santana admitted, taking that, cool. that bump, literally doing the Eddie Guerrero slap to the chest. And I fucking yell, drastic no, as he jumps to his death. But fucking, no avail, because like Ben mentioned, Callahan comes in, Callahan helps OVE, retaining in the 5150 OI4K. Great, I'll say this about that match. Good effort, but really wasn't needed. Go. It was a great match, though. It was what needed. They, they, killed, they, killed, each, they killed each other. 30 seconds, no Ray. Shut up. Okay. Uh, speaking about that matchup, Keith. I need a drink. Before we fucking recorded, though, you were mentioning where are they going to go oh, with this Oh, he, oh he wants to, to go get a drink. Next match. Ah, yeah, TNA, TNA makes me want to drink. Oh, uh, that's everyone. Okay. Gail Kim versus Sienna Alley. Gail Kim goes over. She's in the Hall of Fame. And Ricky tweets and she passed the torch. Moving on. Ah, oh, God. He should have given that Alley. Fucking Cherry Bomb needed it. Okay. And that is five minutes. Woohoo! Fuck you both. Okay, so. Longest five minutes of my life. <laughs> okay, we get to the MMA match that had no actual MMA. Six sides of shield tag now. Last Hang, thing hang up on him. Hang up on him. Mike. Let him finish. Let him finish. The fuck up. That's why I'm sending you to the fucking asylum. Oh, Wait, I shouldn't what? mention that right now. Okay. What? Okay, so. King Melvin. Hey, Ray. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett's calling. He says no one cares. What? <laughs> from rehab. He's calling from rehab. And people still don't care. Oh, God. They so tried to send me to rehab, and I said no, no, Ray, are you no. up to the tag match in the cage where people yes. are in the cage? Yes. Stupid. The point of the whole Stupid. match was no one's able to get in. Guess what? They got, got in. in. They got the key okay. and got in. Fuck So off. last thing King Mo go over. 
American Top Team wins. This was last year's last appearance. Summation. Okay. Stephen, no, it wasn't. He was summation. Stefan Bonner still can't fucking work. Uh, I'm not going to go on that. You know what? So, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Stefan Bonner. He knows how to work. It's just that he doesn't know how to play to the crowd. Next. Yeah, he just Because he's a UFC MMA fighter. <laughs> They don't have to sell to the crowd. They just have to beat somebody's ass. <laughs> when Stephen Bonner did it, which is what I wish they do the right, right now. Ray, finish this up before we murder you. God damn it! I hate you all. I'm not Eli Drake, that. Johnny Impact, wrap this up. Fuck you, guys. Okay. So, Eli Drake with Chris Adonis, Chris Matthews. He said that one. already. No. I'm going to fucking say it, damn it. Why are you that? Shut up, Pete. Like, fucking Corey Graves even told you. Okay, so Eli Drake takes on Johnny Impact. Match went with fucking parkour shit. That was basically it. A highlight of the match, Johnny fucking Mundo does parkour. Who? To fucking Johnny Impact, Johnny Thank Mundo. You. <laughs> John Hennigan Who? Is John Hennigan Who? The bounty hunter Who? Johnny Nitro Who? Who? John Morrison Who? You mean to tell me You mean to tell me that no recently released WWE star showed up on Impact? Oh, wait, I Perfectly good main event. 
He ruins it. Patron stands tall. Yeah, way to go, TNA. Ending your... Yeah, way to go, Impact. Ending your equivalent to WrestleMania on a fucking fuck finish. Fuck this company. Wait. I have a question that I don't even think Neil deGrasse Tyson can answer. What is it, brother? Can you explain to me? And I don't think you can, so it's a rhetorical question. Can anyone explain to me why is it, first off, I don't know who the hell America Top Team is, right? They're, yeah. they're from Bellator. I don't yeah, they're Bellator know. UFC team, yeah. I don't want to it, know. It, it's, it's the MMA organization that Bobby Lashley fights for. Okay. Yeah. Why? Explain <laughs> to me. Why? Why? Why, why? 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 That they're... Either oh. there... In the promotion of a professional wrestling product, when half of these guys, okay, can't even wrestle. But they can fight. They're, okay. they're legit fighters. Okay, so is Alberto El Patron, but I don't see him legit fighting anybody except his. Did you hear what Alberto El Patron did? He beat a Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> He's a fighter. Okay, listen. Oh, God. They, they, Impact, please. I, I, I listen. I, I, I really like the product. I really want Impact to do well. I really want them to survive. I really do. They're like, they're like your cousin at Thanksgiving dinner when the entire family gets together. And you know he's got a lot of potential, but he's just, he always seems to not put it all together, right? It's like they're seven time out of rehab. And so you're telling me that fucking one, right? impact is this my is so one. fucking impact is my dipshit <laughs> cokehead nephew. And everything's gonna be okay. Fucking like no, there's a whole family dinner of all the wrestling organizations like WWE's carving the turkey, no, yeah, Progress like, is bringing the potatoes, fucking ICW is bringing the cranberries, fucking Lucha Underground is bringing some you shit. You know what? No. I got a better one for you, Falbo. <laughs> TNA is like President George W. Bush. We gave you a chance the first time. Where you could do it. No, no, no. Well, I gave him, I gave him some rope, and then he hung all of us with it. TNA, TNA reminds me of President Bush. Here's why. Every world leader in the world knew that President Bush was the president. And they respected him simply because he was the president. But when Bush walked into a room, they said, oh shit, here comes Skippy. You killed that. I like your product. There's always that one guy. There's always that Tony Blair, right? There's always that one guy that just says, don't worry, TNA, I got you back. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you calling me Tony Blair? Fuck you, motherfucker. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. It's Ricky. like... I don't think we could end the night on a better note than God. that. So let's start we one. We ended up politics. We started off on fucking... Oh, oh my God. I Mr. am Peter dead. Rizzato. Mr. Thank Peter Rosado. Mr. Peter Rosado, everybody. Round of applause. Can I just say, gentlemen, we need to do this again. Definitely. Oh my God, I was
you, you just took the words right, <laughs> right out, out of my mouth, mouth sir. We're Listen, oh, sir. Come back anytime, my friend. So, guys, thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. Without you guys, there would be no fucking show. I don't care if there's 90 of you out there listening or 90. I just am amazed that anyone's listening and you're putting up with our ridiculous nonsense and tuning in every week. So, guys, thank you again. And big We're thanks. Sorry for our Enzo Amore, a.k.a. Ray Ray Mundo. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and, guys, and big thanks, big ups I'm to our guest tonight, no, no. uh, co-creator. I'm gonna say now, it's my reason you're on this show, Pete. So I'm fucking done. <laughs> Fuck this show. End it. Wait a minute. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did we just achieve three things at once? Did we just achieve the highest-rated show in golf history while also yeah! while, while also while also having the most fun ever? And also, I got rated quick. Yup. <laughs> Celebrate good times. Come on. Fuck you. So guys, thank you once again. A big thanks to our special guest Peter Rosado. And guys, don't forget Love that. You, and don't forget that you can go check out BCW the final the final judgment this Friday night at the Queensboro Elks Lodge. That's 82 82 20 Queens Boulevard. <laughs> 82. 82. <laughs> 82. is gonna be an 82 morning. <laughs> it's gonna be an 82 morning. <laughs> Oh, uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me catch up the rebound, Falbo. Ladies and gentlemen, you can catch BCW's Final Judgment live this Friday, November 10th at 8220 Queens Boulevard, the Queens Elks Lodge. We have a jam-packed card. We got whole milk fights sitting in the front row. We got the Avenger yeah. Ben Falbo there. And unfortunately, we have the Law Ray Ray Mundo too. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a hell of a show. God. You can get it this Friday. I hope Darius is going to get you again. still on sale. Shit. And if you are a current military active member or a veteran of the military and have your military ID, you will receive 50% off on your tickets on that day in honor of Veterans Day. We hope that you come to the final 2017 BCW show this Friday, ladies and gentlemen, for the Avenging Ben Falbo, for Whole Milk Mike Sarantino, for the Law Ray Ray Mundo. Half, half the time he's Pepe, we don't know where he's from. And the voice of a generation and your favorite wrestlers, favorite commentator Pete Rosado, saying thank you for joining us all tonight on the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. My God, and couldn't have said it any better myself, sir. So guys, God. once again, you can follow us. I want to know who told Pete this lie. You guys can follow us on What generation? You guys can follow us on all of that good social media. You can follow us at the GAWP Show on Twitter. We have 280 characters now. And you can follow us up on Facebook at the General Admission Wrestling Podcast. Mike, where can they download this episode as well as all the past episodes? Well, Mr. Silly Willie, stop asking me that question because we're on TV radio, fantastic. I <laughs> Fuck. You can't even get it out. God damn it. Stitcher Radio. That's what she said. Somebody can buy our shirts. And Ray, where can they get the shirts? I already fucked up. God. You can go to tpublic.com slash show. Get a Ray Ramundo shirt. Get an Avenging Ben shirt. Get one of Matt the Minkus shirts. Or get even a Whole Milk Mike shirt. 
Matt the Minkus. And guys, oh, don't, and guys, thank you once again for tuning in. Big thanks to our guest, Peter Rosado. And guys, thank you again for tuning in. I am Avenging Ben. I'm Whole Milk Mike. I'm the Law Ramonda. And Mike, take us out the way only you know how. Join the madness. And we will see you. We won't be seeing you next week. (laughs) Wait, what? See Friday. Why is he talking? Ben, why is he talking? We'll talk about it at BCW this Friday, sir. You you guys have a good night, and we will see you guys soon. All the way up. Nothing.